Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, he is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And also joining us in the studio, senior sports editor. You know him. He is your coach. He is my coach. He is the coach. Coach Duffy. What is going on, everybody? Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, so definitely join in the conversation on social media. You can find all our links at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Join in on Facebook. Join in on Twitter. Join in on Instagram. Join in on Podchaser. Drop a five-star review there. Apple Podcasts, too. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPH when you're talking with us because we have a lot to discuss. Kicking off the sports show this week, those NBA playoffs are still rolling strong. Yeah. Two Game 7s now uh-huh. to recap, and let's jump into the Game 7 that's taking place tonight because there are two Game 7s in this playoff series. But uh-huh. going on tonight, we have Utah uh-huh. and we have Denver. Let's go. You got Jamal Murray versus Utah is what you have. That's true. Man's been on fire lately. I mean, two straight 50-point games before that, a 46-point game. Uh-huh. I mean, they're unstoppable right now. They're throwing everything at them. They're doubling them. They're, they're tripling them. They're hedging off the pick and rolls or double teaming him off the pick and rolls he's running iso ball he's telling people to get out of his way i mean anything that utah does right now they do not have an answer for the one player that is jamal murray i'll say for what it's worth uh the spread as we record is denver by one point yo and wow the, and the over under is 217 and a half I'll take that line. <laughs> I will take that line every day. Like, this series has been a surprise. And, like, Coach Touchpond, I mean, Jamal Murray has taken the series over. And I thought when we were going into this, this would have been the Spider Show. And I thought it would have been a wrap for Utah. But Denver has really came on late. Surprise heroes all over the place. Because, I mean, Jokic has had a good series. Mm-hmm. But if you talk about Jamal Murray, he is the he is the star. He is the story. Well, I would have thought. I mean, going into this, I thought Denver was going to run away with it. They had played well during the uh, regular bubble season, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I thought Denver was going to go into the series. I didn't think it was going to be a sweep, but I definitely thought that they would have been up, you know, three one in the series and then wrapped it up maybe, uh, you know, four one or four two at best. Uh, but to see they were down three one, you know, the opposite, needing to win. <laughs> went out right now to force a game seven you know they um they just haven't had the same chemistry that they had michael porter's been a little bit cold um had a good game six but didn't play great you know in game five and game four um but yeah it's just and joke Jokic is you know Jokic. he's playing well and yeah. serviceable but he's definitely not giving the numbers that he was during the the bubble uh, regular season so it's definitely been jamal murray Absolutely carrying this team on his back, 100%. Pulling mellow type performances, you know, a la the Knicks during their playoff run, um, you know, or that uh, stretch where everybody was injured, you know, and it was uh, Jeremy Lin, you mm-hmm. know, just scoring buckets. So it's been t- it, this series has been a ton of fun to watch, just because on the other side of it. You have Donovan Mitchell, yeah. who's coming right back on every possession and going right at 
you know, uh, whoever's covering him, and it's been a plethora of guys that Denver's been throwing at him too. You know, they've put, they've tried a bigger guy like Porter on him. They've tried putting uh, Murray on him. They've thrown uh, Forbes at him. I mean, they, any any answer that they have, they've been trying to put on him, and nothing really has seemed to uh, be the answer either. Because Donovan Mitchell's playing great too. I'll say, yeah. I, I have, admittedly, I haven't paid attention to this series. Nothing against Utah or Denver. Just I don't root or care for either mm-hmm. team. But the thing I'm noticing, just looking at the game preview on ESPN.com, uh, games one through six of this, I could sum up in one sentence. Much like the NBA All Star Game, just on a very lesser degree, uh, defense is optional. Yeah. Uh, every game in this series uh, has scored over 100 points. The lone exception being Denver in Game Three only scored 87. Every other game, though, so many. I, both teams have scored over 100 points. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy to see this. I mean, nobody's playing defense, but you know, as a fan of the sport, I'm not really mad about it. And you just you when you have two teams that are just going off for points, and especially how Denver, like I say, is not just Jokic; it's other role players that are stepping up and making big buckets. This is where the series is getting fun to watch, mm-hmm. and just to see how it's been played out. I mean, it's been a roller coaster to say the least. Yeah, and I think one of the more slept on series in all the bubble. I mean, I wouldn't say that teams aren't playing defense because I mean, right now with the way that Donovan Mitchell and uh, Jamal Murray are playing, they're just outpacing the defense. Yeah, so they're, outpa- they're I mean, outpacing everybody. Yeah, I mean, and and uh, you know when you talk about number of possessions and stops, you know it's not you know uh, yeah all right Jordan might have scored 60 points a game but that was also on maybe 80 possessions you mm-hmm. know that he sure. would score 60 on sure these guys are having you know upwards of 100 plus possessions per game so you know to be able to hold a team under 100 way more difficult you know so you ca- you have that factor on top of the fact that you know you know th- these teams are playing wicked quick i mean since the bubble's been you know and they've been playing in it you know you can definitely tell that teams are trying to run in transition push the pace a little bit you know you saw it a lot last night uh, in the Milwaukee game against Miami, I mean, there was times where uh, Chris Middleton had a three-on-one, meaning he was the one against three Miami players, and he mm. went right at the bucket. You know, normally you would see teams pull that out, let their offense get set up, and not try and push in transition. Mm-hmm. Not right now. You know, teams no. are being aggressive. So, you know, Jamal Murray, for example, I mean, you, you might run an ISO play, you know, and try and set something up and, and try to make a back, uh, bucket. You know, oh, I'm not open. I'm going to pull it out. Let's reset. Maybe try and call for a pick from Jokic and and run a pick and roll. No, no, no. He is move, 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 get to the rim and finish at all costs. So, I mean, they are scoring at a high clip. Oh, yeah, they are. I mean, just to, you know, explain and kind of draw the picture of how dominant and just how scoring at will they are, Donovan Mitchell is leading the NBA in postseason scoring. Uh, first, he's in first place. He's averaging 38.7 points per game. Uh, Jamal Murray is in second place at 34 points a game. Third is Kawhi Leonard at 32.8 per, uh, 32.8 points per game. Fourth is James Harden with 31.8. Uh, and rounding out the top five is Luka Doncic, who is averaging who averaged 31 points a game. So when you have all these high scoring games, I mean, or players, you're going to be shooting through the roof here. Yeah, just, just, just you can't you can't match defensively. I mean, I listen. I I mean, I've watched this. You know especially the fourth quarter of these games because down the stretch, I mean, game six was, or game five in particular, was 
a ton of fun to watch because it was literally, I mean, Jamal Murray scoring 20 straight points mm-hmm. for Denver, and he he was on fire. And, I mean, I watched what Utah was doing defensively. They zoned up behind him. They ran, you know, a, a half-court uh, trap trying to get him to force the ball up. He, I mean, he was dribbling through it, dribbling around it. Dribbling over. I mean, yeah, he was doing everything. There, yeah, yeah, he was doing everything. I mean, they were literally initially uh, initiating their offense from the half court line because that's when Denver was picking him up to, or when Utah was picking him up, trying to force him to give the ball up, and he just wasn't doing it. So, mm. and I mean, these aren't just. It wasn't just plays that you know Denver was running. They were literally letting him. They were running four across the baseline and just letting him go at the rim with whatever he needed to do. I mean, I only saw him pass the ball once to Michael Porter, who missed the three. Um, but that was because they literally left him open in the corner. Well, like Co- and Jamal Murray's not going to. You know, he's a good player. He's not going to pass up that shot. Uh, and coach isn't lying. I pulled up the play-by-play from Game Six, and the highlighted names for a good portion of the fourth quarter are Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell alone. Yeah. And I mean, that's probably what you're going to see tonight, too. I mean, I'm going to imagine that Denver's probably going to do, uh, Utah's going to do more of the same, which is going to try and run a double at them early. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they'll start the game off that way. I think they're going to, you know, probably get a pace of play, see how things are going, because Utah obviously is no slouch offensively either. Mm-hmm. So they'll probably, you know, let the tone get set early. And then once John, Jamal Murray starts to get a feel for the game and get hot, a la like a Devin Booker style, that's when you're going to start to see the double teams get ran at him um and you know they'll probably and my guess is that they'll probably force him to try and give up the basketball more tonight if they do run pick and rolls so instead of just like you know uh, hedging they're probably going to straight up double him off the double right. or off the the uh pick so that way he's forced to give it either to the roll man or try and throw it to the corner for whoever's open in that corner three um and on the flip side of it with denver you know defensively i think they just need to keep doing what they're doing because they're outpacing Utah as far as offense. So I mm-hmm. think just keep doing what you're doing defensively. Don Mitchell is going to get his points, but you got to limit the other guys like Gobert um, and uh, Inglis. That, mm-hmm. Those are the two that you need to worry about there. And Mike Connolly is going to do Mike Connolly things, which is you know he's going to have his wide-open threes and he's going to hit them. You just got to come back and have an answer. Right. Yeah, they definitely have to figure something out because, I mean, how the series has gone with Denver winning the first game, the Jazz winning the next three, and now Denver fighting to win the next two. We're at Game Seven, so mm-hmm. all bets are off. So going yeah. into tonight, with everything we just covered, who are you picking? Oh, Denver. Denver. I mean, Jamal I, Murray's playing so well that mm. you cannot. It's the immovable force against the improbable. I mean, whatever that saying is, like immovable force. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just, whatever that is saying is, he is that right now. He's just he's so red hot. I mean, you look at what Devin Bo- Devin Booker was able to do towards the end of the bubble mm-hmm. once he started to really get a flow for the game. And what is, I think, I mean, I know obviously some guys have talked mental health and, and the difficulties that it's been being in the bubble. But the thing that I don't think that people are taking into effect is they're literally going through the same routine every day. And when you have a player that's in the zone, you want to be able to d- disrupt that especially going into a game seven, you know, you want to be able to disrupt that. That's why like, you know, when uh, Jordan would play Utah, you know, they would try and fuck with their hotel room because they would want to try and get Jordan off of his rhythm because they knew that he was going to come in, you know, in the zone. And, you know, you see that with like pitchers in, right. in baseball. And yeah, shit. Yeah. You do yeah. batters will step out of the box, oh, yeah. you know, mid, 
you know, uh, engagement of pitch just to try or, or kickers, you know, with icing the kicker. So, you know, Denver, you, but you can't do that right now because you're in the bubble. Yeah. So he has the same routine. So when a guy who already has a killer instinct is in the flow and in the routine and there's nothing that he needs to change because he's not the road team, he's not the home team, it's at a neutral site, that is what is dangerous. So I got to lean towards Jamal Murray. Pat? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Denver. I think – at some point, you got to figure the defense has got to step up here. And, and just looking at both teams' depth charts and their starting five, I think I like Denver's starting five a little bit more. To, you know, because at some point, the defense has got to step up and, and get a stop or get a series of stops and really hold uh, Utah to not score. And I, I just like Denver a little bit better in that aspect. Immovable object, irresistible force. There you go. There we go. There we go. We got it. Because these teams so equally match as is going into the playoffs. And who would have thought at the beginning of the season that this would have been the case? Because I thought Denver on paper should have ran away with this, but Utah is scrapping. Uh, and Mitchell and Gobert are somehow playing together. And winning covers up a lot of Band-Aids, folks. That's very true. So let's put it that way. But I think that Band-Aid gets ripped off tonight. I think Denver is going to ice this out, and they're going to finish strong. They are the more talented team on paper, and that is just a fact. Jokic will definitely step up. He'll make some big moments. And, I mean, Murray has definitely carried the team so far. It's just when you have the cohesion on the t- on the team. And, like I say, Denver appears to be more of a team than Utah, at least in my eyes. I think Utah has two superstar players, but I just don't think it's going to be enough in a clutch game. I think it's going to be within 10 points of a win, and I think Denver is the next team to move on. So for Game 7, though, all bets are off. You never know what you're going to experience. So they have got an even line going, but they're not the only game seven that's in these playoffs. Nope. Who would have thought Oklahoma City and Houston would be the big <laughs> game seven? Yeah. Going into the season when it was done about the trade to get rid of Chris Paul, you get Russell Westbrook, Houston re-ups. They're supposed to be running away with this. And now – Oklahoma City is hanging on. I'll say when I'm pretty sure when we previewed the NBA season, and especially after the trade, we the three of us I think all wrote off Oklahoma City for this. Oh, absolutely, I'll own that one because it was like, oh, Chris Paul and uh, who was the other starting for? Yeah, exactly. But somehow, some way, they're doing it, and the Thunder is hanging on. Which, if you're Houston. How high is the panic button right now? Uh, DEFCON, like whatever the highest DEFCON is. Yeah, I mean, if I'm if I'm Houston, I'm uh, Daryl uh, Morey in the uh, front office. You know, I'm definitely watching this game seven with a pretty close eye because you know you go out, you trade. You know, obviously Harden and Chris Paul, you know, didn't necessarily see eye to eye, and there was a little bit of conflict as far and strain in regards to their relationship on the court. Um, and so you make this big splash with the trade of Russell Westbrook. You bring in somebody that you know uh, James Harden's had good rapport with, obviously friends with, uh, back in their Oklahoma City days, and you go all in. You know, and mm-hmm. and you you give Mike. Uh, D'Antoni, what exactly what he wanted, which was the small ball lineup by trading Clint Capella, um, you know, and bringing in Robert Covington, you know, a guy that D'Antoni really coveted as far as a three D guy, um, and you know, so you have invested, you know, and traded assets, you know, first round picks and whatnot, you know, for this run, and ultimately now you're staring at an Oklahoma City team that was uh, undermanned, undermatched, uh, overmatched, mm-hmm. and and undermanned, and now. Chris Paul, you know, hats off to him. I mean, uh, during before the season, I mean, I know we talked and covered, you know, what OKC was doing before in the last week, but, you know, something that we really didn't touch upon was, you know, uh, 
Chris Paul was tied to the Knicks yeah, a right. lot during this offseason. Oh, yeah. And I, for one, was, you know, why would you trade for, you know, a 34 going on 35-year-old point guard with two years left of, like, an $18 million deal? You know, I mean, that's that's a that's a typical bad Knicks trade mm-hmm. for a player that, you know, is at the end of his career. And, by God, I w- definitely am wrong because Chris Paul would be perfect on this team Yeah, I for the Knicks. I mean, he's playing at a high level. His leadership skills are abundant. You know, you cannot deny that. He's given confidence to guys like uh, Shea Alexander and um, to uh, Dennis Schrouder that they didn't have before. Daniil Gallinari is looking like the all-star that we thought he was going to be in New York. Mm -hmm. And Steven Adams is Steven Adams, and he's an absolute beast. So you can't – I mean, he's always been consistent. That's the one thing that you can always say with OKC is he's always ride that line of consistency. So, you know, when you look at that and you couple the factor that – you know, Houston obviously had dealt with uh, Russell Westbrook's injury early on, mm-hmm. but when you live and die by three point shot, you got a team that plays very well offensively, and you live and die by three. If you're not hitting the three point, you're going to lose. Yeah, you can't. You can't. There's. You know. I mean, as much as the, um, you know, the analytics and data and all that number crunching will show you that you know the three point shot is the most efficient shot you can shoot, and I get that and respect that. You know that that number, but when you have teams that are scoring at a sixty percent clip and you're scoring forty, even if those forty percent are threes. You're still going to lose if you're not making more than the other team. And that's what's going on right now. Houston's not very efficient. Obviously, they were in game six, you know, up until Russell Westbrook's untimely Egregious turnover. Egregious turnover, late. you know. And, and you know, obviously, I, I would favor them going into game seven, but you got to give the credit in the world to OKC because they're playing very good basketball right now. No, if, if I'm the front office or even the coaching staff in, in Houston, I'm looking like Ted Stryker from Airplane. You know, that, that, that gif and that clip where he's just sitting there sweating his ass off. It's mm-hmm. like, holy shit. Because this was, a, this was a trade that you moved a fair amount of pieces to bring in, you know, Russell Westbrook. You know, arguably not enough in the West to put you over the top and put you in a championship, but you should be able to get through the first round relatively easily. Maybe make a run at a, a Western Conference final if you get lucky enough, you know, but certainly into the second round. But here you are sitting, you know, Game seven, arguably however many minutes is in a basketball game on from going home, that this is a team that on paper looks really freaking good. You Russell, Russell Westbrook at the point guard, James Harden at shooting guard, small forward Eric Gordon, Robert Covington at power forward, and then P.J. Tucker at center. Like, that's a fairly decent team. Like I said, not enough to put you over the top in the West, but it's a good start. It's a good good base. And you got an Oklahoma City team that, no, again, no disrespect to Oklahoma City, their fans or their players, but outside of Chris Paul, Stephen Adams, and Danilo, Gar- Danilo Gallinari, I don't know who any of these other people are. Like it's it's essentially you know when you go you go to the major league level you know like like give this example Tampa Bay played the Yankees the other night and they're introducing the starting lineup for the Tampa Bay Rays mm-hmm. I'd never heard of any of these guys I don't know who any of these guys are but they beat the Yankees you know it's it's the same with Oklahoma City okay I've heard of a few of you but the rest of you like they're hanging with them they're hanging with them and this is, has to be one of the bigger surprises I think of all yeah. That- Houston was only a couple seasons away and and a big injury from defeating Golden State and going and probably running away with the finals two years ago. Now they're on the bubble. The experiment is failing? Question mark. We don't know because as this playoff series has gone, Houston came out strong out of the gate. I yeah. mean, they came out winning the first two games and then 
winding up giving back two games to Oklahoma City. I mean, give them the credit they deserve. They're hanging in there. And had it not been for a bad turnover last night, the series might be a wrap. But now you go to the Game 7 question, and all the pressure is on Houston. Oh, yeah. Oklahoma City's playing with house money. That, well, that's the thing is Oklahoma City, they've already overachieved for this year. I think yeah. I think a lot of people outside of the Oklahoma area wrote them off. The, no, there's no way they're getting anywhere. But, you know, they're like you said, they're playing with house money. There is no expectations. There is no pressure for them. They don't have to deliver. They've already delivered. Yeah, they've already stood up and, and taken notice here. And that's going to be the big storyline going in because now you're going to have Harden and Westbrook mm-hmm. trying to carry their team to a finals win here in the in this playoff series. Is it going to be enough that they're going to be overpressing and costing so. their team? I think so because especially in baseball, you will see players when they're down a run, two runs, whatever it ends up being, that instead of going for the single or the double that will move the runner over, they're going for the home run. Yeah, you know, And I see this especially in college basketball where you're down a couple of points, drive in, get a – get two points and work them on defense. No, let's just shoot the three. Yeah. Uh, my problem is going to be with Russell Westbrook mm. in game seven. I I think when you talk about a guy forcing it, I think it'll be him because he's going to try and get his shots up. Now, I mean, he's been uh, a lot better at deferring to James Harden mm-hmm. than I thought he was going to be going into the season. I just, but I, the problem is I think the moment's going to be too much for him to, to not necessarily grab onto, but I, and, or not pass up. But I just think in, you know, in his mind, in a guy, you know, an alpha males type, you know, mentality, he's going to feel like he needs to be the one that, that does the job, mm-hmm. especially against his old team. So, I mean, there's a couple of those factors that, you know, people don't really take into consideration mm-hmm. when you think about the mental aspect of the sure. game. You know, that this is his old team. This is, you know, he played his entire career there, and now, you know, he's playing against them. He knows these guys. So, you know, the the story, the, you know, they traded you for Chris Paul. So all those things are X factors. It's If he can block that out of his mind and stay cool and calm and be in the moment, you know, and, and if James Harden gets hot, be able to defer, you know, to, you know, the, the – the team, you know, who is James Harden, um, I think they'll be all right. I still, I think they have the pieces enough to win. I just, I, I fear that that Russell Westbrook will come out, and you know, you saw it a lot in OKC. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the those forty and fifteen and ten nights were great, but those forty five points were on fifteen of forty five shooting. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. a problem. You yeah. know, oh, it's a huge problem, and that's going to be the head storyline going into this because if Houston loses. Then you're going to have to think, well, D'Antoni's got to go. You would think. You, you can't stay around if, if they lose. And would they try moving somebody if this experiment fails? Because you're going to have the two alpha males playing together, and I think both of them know for legacy purpose they're going to have to take over. The problem is can they share? I don't know, and I mean this very honestly. They're going to get in there, and they're going to each want to try dropping 50 by themselves. Is there enough basketballs to go around? Probably not. Probably not. So Oklahoma City could sneak in there and get the win. Yeah. I don't think they're going any further. No. I think it's, it, where, wherever Oklahoma City would go after this, I'll pull it up. I think that they're going to be done because I just don't think that they have enough power to compete with the Lakers. And then even with the winner of Denver, Utah, I don't think they have enough. And to say the Clippers are going to be hanging around too. 
it's anybody's guess. Oh, what's Christ. Yeah, no. Whoever wins this series goes on to play the Lakers. Yeah, it's going to be a wrap. Well, I mean, to that, though, Houston actually played the Lakers really tough during the regular season. I don't know if they had a matchup during the bubble. Mm, I don't um, think so. But, you know, during the regular season, they actually gave them a hard time. Uh, Houston matches up outside of, you know, Anthony Davis really well with uh, L.A. because, I mean, they have Robert Covington, they have P.J. Tucker, and, you know, Javal McGee, although he is a very serviceable center, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but, you know, he is a very serviceable center, but he isn't necessarily a back-down presence. You know, like, if Denver was – if the, uh, Houston had to go against Denver and they had to go against Jokic, who was going to back you down in the paint, that's going to be a problem. But Javal McGee is not going to be sitting here posting up, running post plays. Yeah. Anthony Davis, however, will, and that's where you know a, a matchup against Covington and P.J. Tucker will be a problem. Now, OKC, though, they do match up against L.A. pretty well. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul, veteran point guard. You know, obviously Le- LeBron James is running the point right now mm-hmm. with Rondo. Um, you know, kind of being hurt, and you know, no Avery, Avery Bradley. So you know, he runs the point right now, and they got Kuzma starting. So that will be a tough matchup from that sense of who OKC will put where. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, they've got Stephen Adams, so they have that X factor in the paint that will be able to clog up the middle, that will slow down Anthony Davis or uh, Javal McGee or even Dwight Howard, who's played well. So I like those two matchups against those. I mean, I still would take L.A., but tonight you know, I'm, or tomorrow night I'm going to lean Houston because I still think that James Harden's going to eventually just get hot and they won't be able to stop him. Back to your point, Kevin, with what happens if Houston loses. I think you have to let D'Antoni go. Well, yeah, he's yeah. got he's you, done he's done after this year anyway. You don't bring D'Antoni back just because I, I pulled up his coaching history. Uh, won't read through everything, but he was a, he's moved around a little bit. He hasn't won a championship in any professional league around the planet since he won the Italian league in two thousand and two. Yeah. So yes, I get he is a two time NBA coach of the year. You know, from two thousand five when he was with the Phoenix Suns, and then uh, twenty seventeen when he was with the Houston Rockets. You know, you know. Obviously, some intervening years wasn't that all that great, but you know, and yeah, Phoenix was good, but circumstances and times. He's got a pretty decent team here with Houston. If he can't get past here, I think the experiment has failed. You got to let him go, and I, th- I don't think you blow up, you know, Westbrook and Harden. I think you give that another shot, just bring somebody else in. But I think you have to bring in somebody else, yeah, like, it, another player. If I, I mean, to that though, I mean. Obviously, can we? You know, D'Antoni was with the Knicks for a while, mm-hmm. and that oh, yeah. experiment, you know, really blew up. You know, in the Knicks' face because unfortunately they just didn't surround him with the type of roster that he needed to implement his seven seconds or less. Sure, um, yeah. you know, offense, which you know wasn't obviously mellow style, and there was a clash there. I mean, you saw what he was able to do with Amari Stoudemire up until the trade, which was making Amari Stoudemire look like a goddamn All Star. Yeah, sure. I mean, he was an All Star. Sure. I mean, should have said an MVP. You know, that's what a Stoudemire looked, especially during that stretch of like what he had eleven straight forty point games well, at one point. It was, it was something on. Was uncanny. Yeah. Um. So I. I don't. I. It's not necessarily that I think Dan Tony's not the fit. I think the problem is that you know it's the small ball, pure small ball that they're playing right now. That's the problem. Yeah. You know I don't think you can go into this system and play against these teams that are at this level. I mean, and not have a true center. I mean, you don't yeah. need to play him. 20 to 25 minutes a night but my god i mean even golden state during their you know the the pure the era of 
murder ball. You know mm-hmm. that that lineup of you know Draymond Green filling. You know what at the time Harrison Barnes, Clay Thompson, Curry, and uh, Livingston or Iguodala. You know interchangeable on those two. You know they still started Bogut. Yeah. yeah. You know, like you can't forget that. And even when Durant came in and they lost Bogut, it was Pachulia. Yeah. who still started at center. So they still had a true center start. Now, Pachulia wasn't ending the game, and he wasn't playing 25 minutes to 30 minutes a night, but he was giving you 15 to 20 of serviceable time that, you know, he fit that need, especially when they were going against teams like, you know, uh, uh, San Antonio and, you know, Cleveland who started, uh, you know, had a true center and Tristan Thompson, you know, so he was filling a need. So then when you talk about, you know, you got P.J. Tucker who is not, is only 6'7". Yeah, he's not. Starting at center. Yeah. And Robert Cummington is only 6'8". You know, they're going against Steven Adams who, mm-hmm. you know, they're being out-rebound. And at the end of the day, I mean, as a coach, you know, as a guy who's coached high school basketball, you out-rebound your team, chances are you're going to win. Right, and that's the thing with the center. You got them down low. Yeah, scoring points and dunks are look awesome and are great on the highlight reels, but at the end of the day, what do you want them to do? Block shots and get rebounds. Their starting center, according to ESPN.com, P.J. Tucker, for the regular season, uh, averaged .5 blocks a game and then uh, 6.6 rebounds per game. I mean, he plays awesome defense, and I love – I mean, I – I always try, I try to get PJ Tucker on 2K all the time. I love, yeah. I think he's a great player. I just he's not a center, and that's no, not any he, fault of his own. He's not a center for no. what they need. They just don't have the adequate pieces. Well, I mean, Clint Capella was that piece, but when they got Russell Westbrook, they were like, "All right, we need to be able to clear the middle out, yeah. so we can let Russell Westbrook get into the paint. That's where he's strongest. That different than Chris Paul. Chris Paul could operate outside of the key and still be efficient. Mm-hmm. That's not Russell Westbrook. So they had to part ways with Capella, and now this is. This is the result of that, and I don't think it's D'Antoni's fault. I think D'Antoni's a very good coach. I mean, outside of my those years with the Knicks, where I, you know, I was the first one to bash the shit out of him. Yeah. Then when he went to L.A., it was the same thing. Oh, he's a bad L.A. dumb call because he's a bad coach. No, he is a very good coach, and I've seen that now. Once I've removed myself from that animosity that was with the Knicks, because mm. I've learned and I've grown up, he's a very, very good coach. And the defensive thing is. Total bullshit. The problem is, is that when you operate with that lineup and you are getting out rebound, which they are in the series, oh yeah, you're gonna lose. Yeah. So it, maybe if they played Tyson Chandler, or if it, I think Tyson Chandler's still on the roster, you know, if they had that center that they could play, even if it's for 15 fucking minutes a night, they would probably be much better off than what they're doing right now. Oh, that's and that's just my feelings towards it. No, they definitely need to do something because, like, they're like you touched upon the small ball is not going to work against the Lakers. I'm sorry, it's just not going to. If they had to go against the Clippers, it will work in stretches. It'll but work you in can't stretches. work. But to win, to win four four out of seven right. against them. Golden State didn't run murder ball for forty five minutes a night. Right. It was small increments at the end of the second half, or at the end of the first quarter, and again at the end of the fourth. Yeah. Because they knew that they could gun it at the end of those quarters and not have anything to lose. It's the opposite here. They're starting with that lineup, and they're already behind. Yeah. So if, even if Houston does get past this, I mean, I think we're all in agreement they're not getting past the Lakers. No. Shape or form. I mean, no. I don't think they do, but I definitely think they might push it to a game six at minimum. They could push it to six. I could see that, but I just don't see them going any further. No. I think I think the ride stops here. And then for the winner of Denver-Utah, I mean, they got to go against a rested Clippers team that's going to be sitting just watching. Well, I mean, to that, though, I – 
the the Clippers did not look good in the series against Dallas. No, they got pushed. I mean, they got and that is not what we all would have thought had I mean, given my whatever with Przingis. Mhm. Doncic showed that there is a weakness on this team, and Paul George did not play well up until that final game right. where he went off for like 45 points. So if you can keep Paul George inefficient offensively mm-hmm. and you can keep, uh, you know, um, you can keep uh, Kawhi Leonard bottled up, you know, I definitely think that the Clippers can be had right now. Well, the Clippers, like I say, I don't think you're going to run away with it, but I think, though, if it does come down to the winner of Denver-Utah, I, I still think they win outright. I just think that the team is too talented not to carry it over. It's going to be interesting to see how that Western Conference plays out. But to quickly wrap up, though, in flipping over to the Eastern Conference, mm-hmm. Miami taking game one against Milwaukee. Woo. And Giannis did not have the best game ever. No. By any stretch of the means. No. Pad, you got that stat line? Yeah, so uh, Miami ended up winning 115 to 104. Uh, as you mentioned, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, 18 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. Uh, that is on uh, 6 of 12 shooting from the floor, 2 of 5 from 3 point uh, range, and then 4 of 12 from the free throw line. Uh, on the flip side, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Buckets, uh, 40 points. Uh, scoring holy cow uh, and then also uh goran drag drag sorry uh 27 points for 18 points for Giannis is not a good night no. i'm sorry and, no. and if he's not clicking milwaukee's not clicking it's just it is what it is and you could tell he was definitely upset because i saw that clip this morning where some where he was doing like a zoom press conference mm-hmm. uh and a reporter asked him about guarding or something. I forget what the question was. And, and Giannis, basically, his first uh, response back was, why would you ask me that? Yeah. I mean, it was Jimmy Butler. Yeah, Jimmy, <laughs> I mean, J- Jimmy Butler Jimmy took Jimmy fucking over. Butler. I mean, they put Jay Crowder on him a lot, which you know Jay Crowder takes you know a ton of pride in defense. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, was... Uh, given uh, Giannis a fit, and you know he was in early foul trouble. He got his third foul with about a minute twenty left to go in the second quarter, mm. uh, which you know Bullhauser obviously probably was kicking himself in the ass for keeping him in at that point, uh, especially in the second quarter with two fouls already. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that just went on to hurt his performance because he couldn't get in the flow of the game. Um, I can't speak enough to Jimmy Butler again. I yeah. mean my. My love affair for this man continues to grow the more and more that he is in the playoffs because that dude is an absolute killer. Mm-hmm. I I mean, we said it last year. Say it again. I will say it again. This dude absolutely you talk about somebody who has that, you know, the mama mentality. They you know, always try to coin people with it. It is Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Playoff is an absolute beast. He is it's different than him in the regular season. He turns it on, he kicks it into a fifth gear, and he is an absolute Wrecking ball. I'll say, as we record, uh, he is currently averaging his uh, for the what is this? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight postseasons he's been in. Uh, currently averaging the highest points per game of his postseason career uh, with twenty three point eight points per game. And it's not even just that; it's the other things that he does. It's the mm-hmm. defensive matchups. It's the uh, you know the the uh, energy and the vibe that he gives the team. I mean, you got guys like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero right now who you know are playing like all stars. You know, uh, Adedoji. Uh, you know at center, you know, playing very well and, and uh, you know, well-deserved of his all-star accolade that he got, you know, this year. Um, and then, you know, on top of it, you've got 
uh, Drogic, who's always been consistent, and yeah. Jay Crowder, you know, who's serviceable defensively. So, you know, you really have a scrappy Miami team that we said going into that Indiana series mm-hmm. was going to give them problems, especially if Jimmy Butler from last year showed up this year. And that's exactly what you got. And Milwaukee's going to have to step up, and it's not going to just be Giannis. It's got to be the Chris Middletons. It's got to be the Covingtons. It's got to be the Kyle Corvers. It's got to be those secondary players. And Bledsoe, especially Bledsoe, yeah, Bledsoe need to. to show up because they are going to throw everything they have at Giannis to slow him down, and they have the pieces to slow him down. So those secondary guys on Milwaukee have to step up, and they didn't last night. So uh, Jimmy Butler's performance can't help me but wonder how uh, Philly fans are feeling about this. With everything, Philly's got to be livid. With every, well, yeah. with everything <laughs> that came out about him and being there, and all the rumors and the hearsay about this, that maybe he's not all that terrible a person. That like it's being proven, he's pretty damn good. The problem is that he wants to win worse than anybody else on that team, mm-hmm. and I mean Philly. And I might catch some heat for this, but so be it. He came in there ready to win, and the other team didn't want to step up to do it. They didn't want to put the work in. Right. He's now in a situation where he can in, implement his will. Infuse I, himself. Yeah, you know, yeah. he really, you know, you see guys talk about his infectious energy. You know, Tyler Hero talked about how, you know, he's out shooting buckets after games, you know, in the bubble. And, and you see guys really – take after that leadership that he has. He's draining threes while Philly's at home shooting for par fives on the back nine of 18. Facts. It is simply facts because had Philly bought into this mentality, mm-hmm. like your Ben Simmons, your Joel Embiid's, yeah. been a whole different playoff series. We'll say for as much as they want to trust the process, uh, it seems Jimmy Butler's the only one trusting the process. I'm just going to put this out there that I don't think it's Embiid. It might not just be as gonna, much. A- you take that as you want. I'm just saying of the two that you named – I don't yeah. think it's Embiid. No, but I think Embiid, Just I think Embiid though could definitely have used a little more influence from Jimmy Butler. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but yeah, of the, of the two, yeah, of the two you named. Yes. I'm just going to say I think Embiid has a little more passion than the other. I agree. You know? I agree. You know? I fully I mean, agree. But, I, yeah, I mean, I th- this goes back to the Minnesota stories of Jimmy Butler saying, give me the bottom five against the starting five, mm-hmm. and we will win. And Jimmy Butler won that scrimmage. Yeah. That goes back to that. It goes back to, you know, Chicago thinking that they couldn't rebuild around him. All those things, like, he just fucking bottles up, and he's like, I'm going to take it out on you. And then he just dominates. And it's not – the crazy thing is it's not the stat line. 23 points. little things he does. Yeah, 23 points is nice, but it's not great. It's not like Kobe dropping 30 or Jordan dropping 40. And, and dominating the entire game from start to finish, it is the itty-bitty small things that he might do, you know, whether it's the, the defensive rebound that he out-hustled you for or the that steal that he might have gotten because you weren't paying attention. It's that little shit that he does, that, that you know, the fast break to passing to Tyler Hero who pulls up because, you know what, Jimmy passed me the ball, I'm wide open for three, I'm just going to throw this up because mm. I'm hot right now. And he shoots and he scores. It's that small shit. That small shit the team feeds off of that. The but you know the tur- the wheels start turning. The energy starts kicking, and then that's when Miami's dangerous. Now he's got like several chips on his shoulder just because you look at his his career. You know, played for a number of years over with Chicago. Then he went to uh, Minnesota for two seasons. Philly for one season. All the hype in the world when he went to Phil to Minnesota, nothing came out of it. All the hype in the world when he went to Philly, nothing came out of it. Like he want, like you said, he wants to win worse than anybody, 
and he's had to deal with all this crap and all this stuff that's gotten in his way, and he's finally in a position where, hey, this is working. Yeah, it's it's showing on the court because he's now made Miami a serious contender in the East. And I mean to say really serious, the fact that you took Giannis out, mm-hmm. who everybody thought, including me, that Giannis was just going to run away with a series. He made them look average. Yeah. He made the Bucks look serious average. And I'm not saying Milwaukee's in trouble, but Milwaukee needs to find an answer and quick for what Jimmy Butler is bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. Because if they don't, this could be a short series in a hurry. And this is just going to show how good Jimmy Butler is for what he's done with that team. Completely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so I don't think there's any question about that. So we'll just have to wait and see what they do for Game 2. And as we are recording, Boston and Toronto is currently playing. So we don't really have any updates on that. No. But overall, though, a lot of storylines going in with the NBA playoffs. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about the Game 7s? Who you got and why? We want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, Kobe Mack, host of the Kobe Told Me podcast. It's my whenever I want to deep dive with the Mac himself, where I get to amplify my movie reviews for your listening pleasure. This is my 30 minutes or less solo pod, keeping it real with reviews, sometimes movie news, and an always dope box office breakdown i'm the best subjectively objective film critic in the game and when they ask you where you heard it from you tell them kobe told me peace hi this is jimmy gazdick from crimson brethren and floodlands and you're listening to odph Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. We have a lot to discuss about the UFC this Uh past week. Now, there was a big fight card this past Saturday on UFC Vegas, UFC at the Apex, however you wanted to find it. It was a fight night. Two big fights that happened that we're going to kind of deep dive into about. If you were watching on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast, you saw the live reactions to this fight card. Coach was in on the chat, too, as well. Yes, that is the easiest way to describe it. So, Pad, why don't we talk about the co-main? Yeah, so that was a uh, fight in the welterweight division between ruthless Robbie Lawler and Neil Magny, uh, with Neil Magny coming out victorious by unanimous decision. Uh, should note, 30-27, 30-27, 30-27. Coach, your thoughts, if any? Uh, 30 snooze fest. Yeah. This fight was tough. You know, Robbie Lawler was... I don't know what he was thinking in this fight. I, I mean, he was getting out-wrestled and continued to try and push the wrestling and, mm-hmm. and, and try. I mean, it was just – it was weird. It, I mean, the refing in this night when we were watching it was, mm-hmm. again, you know, I know and we, we, we've complained about it before, but literally the fight before. Yeah. The Or the, the last prelim going into the card, the referee was – harping at the guys, let's get some action going, let's get some action going. While they were throwing punches, even though they weren't landing, they were still throwing shots and they were doing the the arm stretch in the field to try and work in their jab. Mm. So they were like, they were working. But the referee was, you know, hey, come on, guys, let's get some action. Then the uh, later on in the fight, there was a fight where there was some wrestling going on. A guy was jockeying for position, trying to, to, to advance his position, and they got stood up. Yeah. Now he wasn't throwing punches, and I know that you were talking about it on the stream about how you know that was probably a good stand up because he wasn't necessarily working. However, though, he was still trying to move in advancement of his position, which 
I thought was as long as you're moving and advancing, you're supposed the referee's supposed to give you the benefit of the doubt that you're working. Yeah. And they stood him up. Then we get to this match where it was GSP-esque lay and pray. Yeah, this one definitely was puzzling for a lot of the variations. And to quickly follow up about what Coach was mentioning, this fight card had very inconsistent refing throughout whether it was stoppages for position when they were grappling against the cage to when they're on the ground. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to to, to shit on the refs because I know it's such an easy and low-hanging fruit, but uh-huh. I, I mean, it was very obvious. I mean, there was points during fights where it was like the guys were moving and they stood them up, and yeah. then this fight comes, and yeah. Laura was getting laid on for two-thirds of a round, and they just let him, they continued on. Yeah, yeah. it was one of those situations that for this fight going in, Robbie Lawler, who's uh, fighting against Father Time, and he's yeah. definitely looked at his past couple pad. Just uh, turned 38 this past March. Uh, in, have for, in 44 professional matches, uh, it has a 28-15 and 15 record. However, has lost his last four fights in a row to uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, Ben Askren, who we should note is retired at this point, Yeah, uh, Colby Covington, and now most recently Neil Magny. Yeah, and I think that for how the fighters were getting judged during that, I think that might have gotten to his head a little bit. I'm not using it as an excuse because I thought Magny outpointed him. Sure, he, he did. He, he, did. he outworked he, him. He, yeah, yeah. He, he outworked him. He fought a great fight. He was using the jab. And then when Lawler tried going to his wrestling, mm-hmm. I thought that that's where he really stumbled at. And he was looking, and I don't want to say old, but he was telegraphing a lot. Mm. That Magny was just sitting there and waiting for it. So when they start grappling against the cage, Magny was already prepared to to take him down and then yeah. do work. I mean, at one point, Magny pulled him into guard. Yeah. So, so I thought that was pretty telling. Yeah, I think so too because, I mean, Lawler, I mean, is a legend in the sport and, yeah. and probably a future Hall of Famer, I would imagine. He's gone through battles. But, I mean, ever since, and I know I mentioned this on the stream, ever since the Ben Askren, Noogie, headlock, submission. Oh, yeah. 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 He has not, choke. Yeah, he has not been the same. No. And I know the Colby Covington fight, he definitely looked old. There's no question about that. Covington's pace, Lawler just looked lost at. So for this fight, though, I I sit there and I'm just going, where was his head at for this one? Uh Because he is a great fighter, but he got away from his stand-up, which he was having success with. Uh And then we tried going to wrestling. Yeah, Magny was sitting there waiting on it. And Magny, to his credit, stayed his course pound for pound. Did not blink, was nailing shots, and took him to the ground. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely something. I mean, uh, Magny was able to to take him, you know, just outwork him, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And it wasn't so much Lawler not being able to keep pace because I feel like if Lawler would have stuck to what was working, which was standing, you know, I feel like Lawler would have been able to stay in the fight a little bit more and maybe yeah. had, you know, more of an impact, maybe uh-huh. a, a, a 30-29 round or a 29-28 round, you know, more along the lines of that than, you know, just literally being taken down to the ground and Magni just able to lay on him and move and advance and, and do a little bit of work, but not... Not a ton enough where yeah. it was like, you know, it wasn't a snooze fest because, I mean, that's yeah. what it was. Like, Magni getting up at the end, we were talking about this on the stream, mm-hmm. you know, when I was in the chat, you know, him getting up and celebrating like this was some peak performance yeah. was a discredit to himself because yeah. if he thinks that that was a great performance, and, I mean, maybe he was trying to sell the judges for whatever reason, but if he feels like that that was some great performance that's going to move him in, you know, that uh, title contention or up the rankings – 
My guy, you are wrong. We'll say yeah. he is currently ranked 14th in the welterweight division, so slow your roll. No, I mean, in terms of Robbie Lawler, we say it all the time, but Father Time is undefeated. And I think the thing Robbie might be running into just, and I can't speak for Robbie, this is just me thinking out loud. Sure. Maybe he hasn't realized that he just doesn't have it anymore. You know, he, like I said, 28 and 15, he's got 20 knockout wins. You can't take that away from him. Oh, yeah. But in baseball, you hit a certain point and you can't swing the bat as fast as you used to. You know, at the end in football, you can't, if you're a quarterback, the arm just doesn't have the same zip it used to. You saw it with Brett Favre, you saw it with Peyton Manning, Mm -hmm. two, two of the best to ever do it. You know, hockey, you know, the the, the the reaction time just might not be there what it used to be. Basketball, you might not have the speed you used to. You might yeah. you might not have the vertical you used to. Robbie just might not have any of the technical skills that he used to. You know, there's a little wear and tear on the tires. You know, the, the edge isn't as sharp as it used to be, and maybe it's time to consider walking away. Coach? I mean, I... Uh, I certainly at his age and the number of fights that he's had, you know, if to see him fight again, you know, I wouldn't care to see it. If it's on a prelim of a card, you know, I'll I'll watch it if I'm watching the card, but I won't go out of my way. I don't think it's anything where, you know, it's necessarily so much that as it is uh, probably a guy that's in his head, you know, not the same since that Askren fight. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you guys are younger and hungrier and, you know, complacency does kick in at some point. Yeah. I, again, I do think that he could have been in this fight had he not tried to take it to the ground. I I feel like he was able to stay in the stand-up, and Magny was you know outreaching him a little bit, and there was some jabs that he was eating, and he was bleeding a little bit, but I still think if he tried to stand a little more, he probably would have been in the fight more, but you know that wasn't his strategy, and that's where we ended up. Only thing I don't want to f- see from Lawler, you know, if he continues to fight, because I got fond memories. I, I got a lot of respect for the guy. I don't want to see a scenario like we've seen in the past where he goes to fight an up and comer or a relative unknown, and he gets an uppercut or a you know or, uh, a right hook or something, and just drops in the first round. And then it's and then it's painfully obvious. Like Chuck Liddell comes to mind. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. I don't want a Chuck Liddell incident with Robbie where it's like, holy shit, you really need to retire now. When you think about Lawler, he is a fighter's fighter. He has always been in exciting fights. Mm-hmm. I mean, Go through the list of who he's fought. Exactly. The Rory McDonald oh. war. That, oh that is one of the most recent ones that comes to mind. If you want to find out what makes Robbie Lawler Robbie Lawler, it is that fight mm-hmm. with his lip hanging halfway off his mouth and he's smiling and looking fresh ready to go in the fourth and fifth rounds, yep. which I think he mentally broke Rory McDonald. No lie about that one. But to see him at this stage, I agree with Pat. I worry that we're getting to the sense that his fighting days are very close to being done. Mm-hmm. And it's not an insult to him. The man, like I said, is a is a legend. He's a fighter's fighter, a fan's fighter. Like There are a few people that have ever said, I have not been impressed with a Robbie Lawler fight. However, though, this past couple fights he's been in, he's just showing his age and showing the tread on the tires, as we like to say. So his last win was a unanimous decision win against Donald Cerrone uh, back in July of 2017. Yeah, so it's been a while. I think, though, the UFC is going to give him one more fight. I, I really do. And I think if he loses badly in that one, I think it's he's going to be released. It's not anything personal, but it's just the sense of you're at this age, your skill set is diminished to the point where you can't keep up with the younger guys mm-hmm. and fighting is a, is a young person's game. So the yeah. longer you stay in it eventually catches up with you and for the battles he's been in and we throw around loosely the term wars you you're in the, in the cage with 
He's been in them. Yeah. So it's not like he's gone through his fighting career and been first-round knockouts like his early days. Like when he first came on, he was a phenom, and then he was very humbled very quickly. And Mm -hmm. then he's been a journeyman through different organizations. And when coming back to the UFC, he'd been on fire. So we'll have to wait and see what happens from here on out, though. I think he'll he'll get at least one more shot. Yeah. But I want to see it like Pat was touching about. I don't want to see him being like Chuck Liddell who hung on until he was literally knocked out by a broken arm by Rich Franklin. Yep. And then for some unknown reason to this day, I still can't fathom why he came back to fight in that trash fight against Tito Ortiz uh, last year, I think it so was. So that's outside canon. That, that doesn't count. Yeah, exactly. Never I'm sorry. happened. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. The fight was garbage, and I can, I'm just going to go off on a tangent. I don't want to talk about that. Because our main event uh-huh. – was not a great fight either. No. And we'll just get right into that. Yeah, so that one was in the light heavyweight division, so potential title implications down the road uh, with this one. You had Anthony Lionheart Smith uh, taking on Alexander Rakic, uh, and then with Alexander Rakic uh, defeating Anthony Smith by unanimous decision, 30-26, 30-27, 30-27. Coach, is there anything noteworthy about this fight? Uh, outside of... You know, that weird knee buckle that Anthony Smith had midway through the first round? Mm -hmm. No. This was brutal watch. It was almost as bad as the fight before. Absolute snooze fest. Both guys. Yeah, this was was the one, too, when Rackick had won, he was celebrating like he won the world title, Uh if memory serves me right. And honestly, he did not do that much to impress. Racket came in there against Anthony Smith, who had been on a losing streak. He sounded like he was finally getting his head back together. I know there was a before his last fight, there was something that happened outside of the cage, so I'm willing to give a pass about that one. Uh, yeah. But when Smith came down to, and by the way, it came out to Mark Morrison's return of the Mac. I just no. want to say, I, if I had heard that on the stream, I probably would have marked out. It's a good entrance. It was a great entrance. So you thought, okay, he's back. Lionheart is back because it's the guy that rose to fame very mm-hmm. quickly and got his title shot against John Jones, he hasn't looked right since. No, I mean, he beat Alexander Gustafson with a rear naked choke uh, in June of 2019. But then, like you said, lost his last two fights, uh, got knocked out by Glover Teixeira back in May, uh, and then just lost his last fight. Yeah, yeah, he just didn't look good. He, he, he just didn't, didn't look good. He didn't look good. And then, like, which Coach was touching upon, when Racket kicked him in the leg early in the first round, it looked like his knee popped out of like Sean O'Malley. Mm. Yeah. Um, and we didn't really know what was going on. He, get, he did get back up and fight. Sure. But... Rackick only did two things in this fight. Okay. He leg kicked and he laid on top of uh, <laughs> Smith for Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really trying to recall this fight. That was it. And I really can't remember anything outside the leg kick. I'm no, no, I'm no MMA fighter, but I do know you need to do a few more things than that to win. No, this is one of those that they should have stood him up a long time ago because sure. Rackick wasn't advancing. Mm. He literally laid on top of him, maybe landed a couple jabs, you know, working the ground. But there was nothing to this fight. This was a snooze fest. Yeah, this was bad. This was atrocious. And the fact that you talked about earlier in the fights, the refs were standing everybody right back up. This one, I don't know what they were watching, to be honest with you. Well, this opinion. was this was Herb Dean too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he fought one he fought he ref one of the earlier fights where he stood guys up quick. Yeah. yeah. And I just again I don't understand the inconsistency of refing. I, I don't either. Like, I just saw this. The point like, system, whatever, because that is left for interpretation. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that is up for whatever that particular judge is looking for, depending on their mood and night. But, like, refing literally should be 
consistent on this level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has to be. Like just for the variances between fights, it's so weird to see because you can't call anything consistent. No, there there is none. Well, you can't. Like you go into a fight, and you know, not only you got to worry about what the ref's going to be looking for, and the judges, like, yeah, you got to worry about the guy you're fighting too. Like, but like, how do you know you're Anthony Smith, and you're like, you're laying here, and you're like. This guy's just fucking laying on me. I know I can't get up, and I'm working to get up, but, like, you see me working to get up. You see me advance trying to move because yeah. Anthony Smith was trying to get the, you yeah, know, the, trying to get his guard the feet on hips, him. yeah, and yeah. try and push him off, but he couldn't, you know, but then here's Rocket just snoozing on him. Yeah, that's all it was. Like, literally, it was 15 minutes of leg kick, leg kick, takedown. Leg kick, leg kick, takedown. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then in the third round... Smith, for whatever god unknown reason, oh, tried god. to do a takedown. Yeah, and then got taken down himself in yeah. reverse, and then it was over. Yeah, so like this was just such a puzzling fight, and then Rackick was celebrating and calling out a title shot after this. No, I'm sorry, you were the number ninth ranked guy in this division. Currently, uh, after all of the said and done, is number eight now. Oh, exactly. Hey, I do. I, I do have a matchup for him though. Oh, break it down. So, uh, rankings as we record, uh, there is currently no light heavyweight champion because John vacated, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one is Dominic Reyes. Two is Tiago Santos. Three is Jan Blaskovitz. Four is Glover Teixeira. Five is Anthony Smith. Uh, but the one I'm looking at is the current number seven ranked fighter, one Volkan Oetzmedir, uh, who Rakita has fought, uh, fought him back on December of 2019 to a split decision. I love that idea, Pat. Run it back. See if uh, see if uh, same results. I'm okay with that. Or I think we did say it in the stream for Rakic. How about if Alexander Gustafson dropped back down? Oh, we thought. Well, yeah, this was in the chat. This this is Gustafson's time. Yeah, Gustafson should drop back down because I mean he looked bad at heavyweight. Light heavyweight is suits him better. He has more quickness. Yeah. And that would be a, a much better fight to do. I do like though about fighting Vulcan. I think that's. Well, so I noticed that when I was looking at Rackick's record, record of like because that's his one lone loss in the UFC. Uh, he's got two professional losses. His uh, other one was his day, his first professional fight way back in 2011. You know how funny is that? And obviously, I know we're going to talk John, but I mean, the dude literally decimated an entire division. Yeah, yeah. Like he literally the light heavyweight for years mm-hmm. was the premier yeah. fight of any UFC card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get any given night. You had Machida, you had Liddell, you had Rampage. Couture flirted with it for a little bit. I mean, you Ortiz, I mean, you had a who's who. Forrest Griffin. Forrest Griffin. Uh, Machida, I said Machida, shit. Shogun. Uh, Shogun. You know, I mean, you had just anybody that was a light heavyweight. You know, I mean, that division was rich and powerful. Shot Evans. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, John came through. Dominated the division for 10 years, and now we are left with pieces. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a shamble of a division. It is arguably the weakest division in all of UFC. You saw it for, for when Mighty Mouse left. You know, Mighty mm-hmm. Mouse ran whatever division he was in. Flyweight. For, he ran flyweight for 15 years, and it was to the point where arguably they were looking for guys to come in and fight him because nobody yeah. wanted a piece of him. Yeah, when you look at how great a fighter is, look at what they did in their division. This is why we always hold Anderson Silva so high on a pedestal. Sure, but even Anderson still had guys that came. I mean, you know, at the time, Weidman and uh, what camp did Weidman come out of? Oh, the Matt Sarah camp. Matt Sarah, Matt Sarah you know, I mean, there was guys that were coming up through the middleweight division that Bisbing, yep. you know, who who were names and, and strong fighters, but they just ran to a buzzsaw that was Anderson Silva, so it was difficult to, to top that, but... Literally, John's left this division to the point where he had to vacate the title, and now you've got uh, this card that's coming up 
yeah, you got, pieces. You, you got Reyes and Blahovitz fighting for the vacant title. See, I think the difference between the light heavyweight division and then with Anderson Silva, you know, guys coming down to fight him. I think with Silva, there was almost this like Undertaker like sure, yeah, reverence. Sure, yeah, percent Where, what was it, 10, 15 years he didn't lose? Yeah. You know, it was this Undertaker like performance where he went undefeated and who's going to do it? Who's going to be the first one? And all these guys were stepping up a la wrestling. And I get wrestling scripted and yada, yada, yada. But still, you had all these guys stepping up going, you know what? I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to be the one to beat Anderson Silva. I'm going to be the one. And they didn't. Mm-hmm. And plus, there was a ton of respect for him. Well, that's the thing. When a fighter is fighting at that elite level, and they're that great, and, they have, and they're in their prime. Like, when Anderson Silva came to the UFC, and he ran through Rich Franklin. Like, let's not forget, Rich Franklin was, was one yeah, of the premier was, fighters was, in MMA. Yeah, Hall of Famer. And Silva ran through him like a buzzsaw. Great teacher. Yeah. And... Very, it's, very, it's, a, it's a proven fact, too. But to see what Silva did, I mean, he cleaned out a whole entire division. BJ Penn was the king of the lightweights for, God, how many years? And yeah. then Frank Edgar took but there care of him. Still, but there were still guys that there were coming up guys. through. I mean, John literally decimated it to the point where he didn't even lose the title. He, he gave it up. Right. Because that was just the difference in skill level, which is scary. But John took on everybody they threw at him. Yeah. It's not like he ducked anybody. No. That he literally took on everybody they had. Anybody they said, John, we we want to put you up against him. Sure. Yeah. And just to see of how great he was to do this, this is where the big void is for light heavyweight. And to see that if these are some of our contenders in Rackick and Smith, uh-huh. they're going to need another superstar to come down eventually. Uh, yeah. I, was, I just don't know who. Yeah, because I, I don't foresee light heavyweight uh, main eventing a card anytime soon. Well, you got to imagine the Reyes Blahovitz. I think it's co-main. I yeah. think it's, I think it's yeah. a co-main. I, you can't put the you can't have. Yeah, but you're only getting idea. a co-main dab because you're fighting it's for a belt. belt. Yeah, for yeah. a belt. Yeah. Because the other one is Teixeira, who I know we were talking in the chat. I don't exactly remember how long he's on a fight win streak for, but sure. it's, it's something absurd. And he's fighting Santos, who's coming back. Yeah, but I mean, but Teixeira I mean, also though lost like. A gazillion fights before he got on this hot streak. Well, that's the thing. He's he's on the other side of forty. Yeah. So it's like, how long can uh, he keep going? Glover has won one, two, three, four in a row. That's why I said he's he's. So on yeah, side. he's hot right now. But I mean, also, who is he fighting? Uh, he'd be Carl Robinson, Ion uh, Kutalaba, <laughs> Nikita Krylov, and Anthony Smith. Yeah. All right, Anthony Smith. Uh, and in the in those four fights, two submissions, one split decision, one knockout. Apparently, I would be Anthony Smith right now. Though, well, so. like I said Smith has got to retool. He's got to yeah, figure out what well, he's going to do if if he's not released. I mean, I, I and I'm not saying I want I want to see anybody released. I don't. But he needs to sit back, and his next fight he has to win. So I think as the saying goes, uh, needs to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, but he, that's that's where Gustin comes in. Yeah. And I think you're spot on. He looked terrible at heavyweight. Mm-hmm. We talked about it. He looked sluggish and slow, uncomfortable. Cut back down to 205. The division's ready for you. Oh, yeah. now, I mean, you obviously couldn't get over the you know immovable object that was John. Yeah. That's proven fact. Mm-hmm. And it is what it is. Nobody else could. So now, you know what? It's time to own, your, own the division. Yeah, that yeah. rightfully should have been his. From the first John fight, mm-hmm. arguably, fully agree. No, oh, yeah. fully agree. So now, just turned thirty three back in January, so there is still time. Perfect. There's perfect time for him to come back down, and I think he'll take full advantage of that. I think that that would make a lot of sense. And then whoever they pair him with, I think will be a big money fight for that division. I whoever mean, it's going to be obviously whoever wins this 
uh, inter, you know, I'm Reyes Blahovitz. Reyes Blahovitz. If you, I'm interim title match or you know whatever you want to call it, replacement title match. Yeah, replacement. You know, I mean, let's call it what it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, I would think that you would put maybe Gustafson in with maybe a top contender, somebody that's arguably outside the title contention, but still could push for a title fight. I'll give you this. If if Gustafson and Sirius come back down, you give him the winner uh, to Shara and Santos. Okay. You give him that. Uh, I know that you might have a long wait between your light heavyweight champion fighting their number one contender, mm-hmm. but I think that that fight would kind of warrant it a little bit unless you want to put him against Rakic. If you really think that Rakic's the real deal, I mean the UFC bookmakers, then you do that fight. I'm just sorry. I, after seeing his performance, I didn't think it was that dominant. He just leg kicked and laid. There's nothing. I mean, I don't think you can are you can put the number eight guy and jump him over that many to give him a title fight just no. so you can get you know the light heavyweight on a card yeah because even if it's either one of those guys that's not that isn't even a co-main event no it's on a, a card no especially with what's coming up as far as cards that's a espn plus style card mm-hmm. yeah it definitely is so this fight card, though, overall, like I said, had some good fights in the prelim. I mean, Ricardo Lamas looked great in his featherweight fight, too, yeah. against uh, LGO. But other than that, I mean, it was kind of just um, a reactionary fight because what's going to happen now is going to be all reactions. The light heavyweight division is completely up in the air because John Jones uh, was talking about moving up to heavyweight. That's still the plan. But that wasn't the big news that was breaking about the UFC. No. Albeit, though, it came via the WWE, who has announced that Brock Lesnar – has not renewed his contract and is technically a free agent. Mm-hmm. So the MMA world is a bit of buzz because everybody knows Lesnar is a former UFC champion. Yep. So let me ask the panel this. If Brock is a free agent, and he is, and where do you think he winds up? Back with the WWE when they need him. Okay. Because I, I don't force – put it this way, I don't see AEW having the money to pay him. Uh, Bellator – no chance in goddamn hell. I, again, don't think they have the money. UFC, maybe, but I think at this point, why? Well, you know, just why? So, so the only player is the only one who's got the bank account big enough. You know, it's WWE. It's when they need him most. And he knows he can sit there and name his price because they will come to him when they need him for a ratings boost, for a pay-per-view boost, for a you know, subscription boost to WWE Network. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're the only ones who can hang with him. Coach? Yeah, I, I think that if it's anywhere, it's going to be WWE unless the UFC uh, backs in the truck and says, we're going to give you John and you're going to main, you know, you're going to be the main event of X card. Well, let me throw this scenarios at you because I, I do agree. I think he ultimately winds up in the WWE, but I'm going to just play devil's advocate here. If Brock decides to go back in the MMA world, if Bellator decided to somehow pull the funds out from somewhere, and I'm, I'm, I, I don't so know if they could. We should note, too, he would have to re-enter USADA testing pool because I don't think he's testing anymore. No, I, he's not. No, he's not, but I think whenever they decide to put him in, what if, hypothetically, Bellator does make a run at him and they somehow land him at least for one fight because it has been the fight that, if you want to talk about your dream fights, so so to speak. So it's the one Dana wishes he made. It's the one, yep, the one that Dana wishes he made at Texas Stadium. 
and that is Fedor versus Brock. It's the equivalent of watching Manny Pacquiao take on Floyd Mayweather whenever it was. I should have seen this fight 10 years ago. Exactly. It's going to yeah. be t- fucking like I get the diehard long-term MMA long-time MMA fans are going to be amped up for it and going to be over the moon psyched and, and you know foaming at the mouth to see it, but it's the MMA version of Manny Pacquiao versus Floyd Mayweather. Mm. Would have been a great fight 15 years ago. Yeah. Now it's going to be like Watching two, you know, not as crisp old guys fighting. I actually think that if that something like that happens, it would be both companies working together. It I might, think it would be. I think it would be them because I just there's no way I think Brock would sully his reputation. No, to go fight at a, a f- organization like that, Arguably, even if it's even if it's for a truckload of money. I mean, like I say, you you still have to throw in that possibility in. I mean, uh, I'm yeah, sure yeah, you yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I mean, I get it. I, I listen. He could easily just go to AEW. Yeah. You know, I mean, like the the other wrestling organization for people who are you know UFC and MMA fans only and hate wrestling. Like he can easily just go to the other wrestling organization that's around. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's just as real of a possibility as him going and fighting for another you know MMA company. I just to me, if you make that Fedor fight, the only way you do it is it's got to be super promoted. Mm-hmm. It's got to be over the top with. Everything from the bells and whistles to the you know uh, arena to everything, and the only way I think you make that happen is if you got the UFC behind Brock in his corner and Fedor and fucking what is it? Oh, Bellator. Bellator well, in, it, in that corner. And if you go that route, make it a once in a lifetime opportunity. Right. Get major. Get champion fighters from each organization and fight each other. No belt. Uh, no, well, no belt. No belts are on the line. No, no, I, yeah. I, I, Just have light heavyweight UFC versus light heavyweight Bellator. Just have some of your champions go up against each other and to prove that ultimate who's the best. I No, I, I fully grant you. Bellator would be down to do it. UFC wouldn't. No, I know. Oh, oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, the yeah. only reason UFC would be willing to do this is because A, capturing Brock. Yeah. Which would be the biggest thing. And B, they get a piece of the pie. Yeah, you know, I mean, let's yeah, no the, dollar signs here. You no, know, I mean, this is no different than Connor and, and Floyd. Yeah, UFC was in Connor's camp the entire time that he was fighting Floyd for what reason? The cash. Yeah, get the money. Yeah, yeah. No, I fully understand that because Brock is one of the top three draws in all of combat sports history, and that's the only way I see him going back to UFC is because he, if I'm not mistaken, he was on that pay per view buy rate. Yeah, deal. I forget the exact numbers. I'd have to pull it up. But the buy rate for the last UFC card was astronomical. Oh, yeah. The Uzania was It was massive. So, that's huge. so, that, so normally, Brock pay-per-view, buy, pay-per-view buys are normally high. But that's when you take out a certain percentage of MMA fans, casual or diehard, and they're in attendance. Mm-hmm. If this is in a scenario where they're not in attendance, and all of a sudden you bump that buy rate up a little higher, that buy, that buy rate record is going to get shattered. Well, and that's where I think the UFC, like I... UFC would need to be involved in this because I don't think Bellator has the capabilities of running no. this type of event yeah. without the promote, you know, the obviously the UFC's promotional business game is second to none. So, I mean, if you want to get this to the top elite level where you're arguably saying, okay, it's going to be $80 for this fight card. Here's your fights main evented by Brock Lesnar versus Fedor. Yeah. The only way to do that is if UFC is helping promote. Mm-hmm. No, and I fully agree with you. I mean, I think the Bellator, I mean, it's it's a dream for longtime MMA fans to see him go there. I don't think he would, though, unless no. it was a complete one-off. But at the same token, I think if he was serious about coming back to MMA, because let's face it, since the diverticulitis, mm-hmm. he can't take a liver kick. Nope. Right. And this was proven in his fight against Alistair Overeem. So what is the incentive for him to come back, especially against somebody at skill level of John, 
who is still in the prime of his career. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, granted, it's a big money fight. I know Brock wants to, but then again, note the word I said, big money. Yeah. So if the UFC really wanted to get him in there and then give Bro- give John a huge fight, that would draw. That would be a huge ratings thing, and I yeah. mean, you could see it working either way. Well, it would be both. I mean, both guys would get paid. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, both would get paid. Like, I think both of them would be completely happy with it. So it's interesting to see. I know John kind of threw a little Twitter jab out at him. And I oh, know he's that, going to, though. Yeah, but he's also been doing that with everybody from Miosic oh, yeah. to – well, not so much in Ganu. Miosic, he he's been. But in Ganu, he's been very – uh, laid back with a little well bit, that and he opinion. I mean John also knows that he's got to promote himself in this heavyweight division because right now he is the you know he's the outside he's outside of it looking in yeah you know I mean he knows that as much as you know and you know he's given the 45 approach with the Stipe doesn't want to fight the soul taker because he already won that fight yeah he doesn't want that fight you know so he's already trying to play the head games of you know trying to get into the mma you know the ufc's head the the fans head by planting those seeds of you know you know you want to see me you know so he can bypass and get right into a world title fight because he's businessman he knows that obviously yeah i mean trying to take on a undercard type guy, you know, a Derek Lewis or, you know, anybody else outside of that, outside of Stipe is going to be a potential loss for John and really hurt and tarnish the legacy and maybe ruin his run at heavyweight. Yeah. So bypassing all them and getting right to Stipe is the move. It's interesting to see how this is all going to play out. I mean, ultimately, though, we think Brock Lesnar goes back. But what if he doesn't? That's the question we're posing to you, the ODPH Society. Where do you think Brock Lesnar winds up? Does he go back to the UFC? Does he go back to the WWE? Where does he go and who does he match up with? That is a question we're going to ask. Also, what is your thoughts about this past weekend of the UFC? Were we a little too harsh with our reaction to the fight card? I don't think so, but if you can definitely want to have that conversation, we can make that happen. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. I'm Harrison. And I'm Jordan. And, and we're, we're the Grief Breeder Podcast. Podcast. Why don't I want to play any of these games? Fun! <laughs> 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 Comedy, gaming, and movies. I was going to say two kids in a trench coat, but it's going to be two men in a moth suit. <laughs> All I've got is the image of you putting a net over him. Jordan! Jordan, bigger net! Bigger net! That's <laughs> the Salvador? No, the guy in the bag on his head. If I tell you a name, just agree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> could have been like, man with bag on his head, Sarah. Yes. <laughs> Hi, it's me. Ah, I'm back. My beard's gone. He's Look how short his face is. Fucking stop it. Tiny face! <laughs> It looks like if a tumor had legs. Yeah, it does. Real gross and big hands. Yeah. Do you reckon you could kill it? I reckon I could. Not you personally. But well, yeah, you said you think I could kill it. Why fucking laugh? Help me. <laughs> me tit. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah. you can't say tit. I bashed me tit. <laughs> Join us every Wednesday on the Grief Burrito Podcast. Fuck. No, <laughs> no, 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 I'd panic. That was, that was Hey, this is Vince, the Cowan Man, Toy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up-and-coming newest podcast. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Time to talk some wrestling. Wrestling. Yes, time to run the ropes here on the ODPH. And this past weekend, WWE Payback Uh 
happened. It was a, dare I say, was it a makeshift pay-per-view? Because obviously coming off the heels of SummerSlam, the WWE did back-to-back weekends. Yep. Yeah, it was an interesting turnaround. I actually, thinking about it uh, after the card, kind of, Liked it. I oh, like yeah. the idea of it oh, because yeah. you're going off of one of your arguably big, you know, big four mm-hmm. right into another card. Yeah. So you're quick turnaround time. So you don't have to try to reset yeah. stories. You just basically can build on the momentum from the last summer, you know, yeah. your last pay per view. So I like the idea of it. I, I was intrigued by the idea. You know, given I was like, oh, this is going to be a quick turnaround. This should be interesting. Admittedly, when you think payback, it's all oh, I'm getting payback at you for something you did. There was only like two matches on this entire card that had that instance. But I was kind of mildly interested in this and, and seeing how it would go. It wasn't until uh, for this past Friday night that I was like, all right, if I wasn't going to watch actively before, I am now. Right? Yeah, definitely had a big storyline going into it from the previous SmackDown before it. So we're going to kind of dive into WWE Payback, give you our review of the card. Mm-hmm. So, Pat, why don't you kick us off? So leading off on the card, you have Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot defeat Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. Coach, thoughts on this one? I did not watch this because reasons. Yeah, I also I, forgot that it started. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was an okay match. Nothing special. They've been having good matches as of late. And, of course, this past Monday, uh, the Iconics yeah. are no more. Uh, they had the stipulation, whoever, you know, these two faced off again on this on Monday night. Uh, loser has to uh, break up uh, with the Iconics breaking up. So don't get that decision. Very but, drastic. Yeah, especially when what's the biggest criticism the women's tag team division has had. There since is no tag teams. Uh, yeah, you have no t- <laughs> I mean, your current ta- women's tag team champions oh. are, are Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler who were thrown together. You mean, Spoiler alert. You, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which we'll we'll get into. No, I was I, I, th- this match was okay for the time it was given, uh, and like have Pat touched upon, they went to losers break up as a team the next night, which yeah. was completely random and out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, I obviously the the women's division right now on the main roster is, you know, with Becky leaving, yep, lacks you know a, a necessarily high level of talent. Mm-hmm. I don't think that splitting up your only true women's tag team yeah. is the smartest answer I to agree. solve that equation with some of the ladies that are on NXT, but I guess they feel I mean I I guess I saw rumors that Peyton Royce might be leaving for some time. I I Maybe. read this is rumors, so yeah. I don't want to speculative. Um I I nothing definitive, so I don't know what's going on there and well, I obviously we- Billy Kay, you know, is a very good in-ring talent, so who knows? Well, I know I don't remember which one, but I did see in the Discover portion of Instagram the other day. Uh, one of them just did a Peyton. Yeah, Peyton just did a, a bodybuilding competition. So yeah, the, so that's why she was gone for so long. Was right. she was getting her body prepped for that? Maybe she's going to do another one of those. I don't know. Is is a weird thing to kind of break down. I figure this. I if they're going to break up the Iconics, I think Royce is going to get the big push. Probably, and I right. think and I think that she stays on Raw while I think they move Billy Kay to SmackDown. Maybe or even NXT. Where I think that it's not a demotion because it's treated as a third brand. So I could see one of those two happening. Well, I think, too, when you talk about, you know, just putting one in NXT maybe to to help kind of gear their uh, singles-type matches. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're a tag team for so long, you know, breaking and doing something independently, even though they did have single matches, Mm -hmm. you know, you have a rhythm as a tag team. So, I mean, getting, you know, a new ring set, new move set, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. down in NXT, developing that a little bit, getting some timing down, you know, might be the best move for one of them. Especially when the uh, spotlight isn't as bright. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, I don't know. I I think both of them – 
I don't understand the the idea of splitting up a tag team no. when you already have a makeshift tag team. Both, yeah, both the girls that were in that match that we're going to talk about here, um, spoiler free edition by me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're both makeshift tag teams. Yeah. yeah. So I don't understand why you'd split one that is an actual tag. It's no different when they broke up the riot squad. Yeah. Like, why yeah. split a team that's actually a cohesive unit together and yeah. work well together just to get three single stars that you don't do anything with? Well, Typically, WWE hasn't been too big on the tag team divisions, even though sure. when, when it thrives, it's some of their best programming. So oh, yeah. it's a very oh, puzzling yeah. thing to kind of look at outside looking in. So that being said, we'll have to wait and see what happens with the Iconics if Peyton Royce is leaving or one of them is leaving and see who gets a push. Like I said, my guess is I just have this odd feeling it's going to be Peyton Royce against the push. Sure, probably. And then for the Riot Squad, they got a title shot eventually against whoever won the women's tag team titles, mm, which we'll get well into played, a little Well played. We'll get to a little later, but there was another title match that followed this one, though, Pat. Yeah, so that one was for the United States Championship with Apollo Crews defending his belt against Bobby Lashley. However, Bobby Lashley uh, defeated Apollo Crews to become your and new uh, United States champion. Thoughts I coach? also didn't watch this one because I didn't realize the show had started, but even if I had been watching it, I would not have. The Hurt Business is hurting my head yep. because I don't get it. It's the inconsistencies of their push or non-push or the push or whatever you want to call it that's going on. They had the potential to come in and just be dominant, and oh, instead yeah. they kind of just... They're there. Yeah, they're just lukewarm right now, and I, I don't like it. It's I want to see a faction come in that just brutalizes people, mm-hmm. a la The Shield, a la you know, other great – You know, I don't want to compare them to the Nation of Domination because that was a, an Attitude Era thing, but I want to see a group that comes in that's not chicken shit bullshit, that are heels by default, and, and not brutalize people. Like I want to see a team come in and just – roughhouse people yeah and that's what the hurt business your name is the hurt business like that's what you should be doing you should be leaving people in your wake i'll say and they're not to your point the shield debuted what did they do they put ryback one of the biggest strongest guys of the time through a goddamn table Mm. what is the hurt business done that's the, the problem. That's why I figured this one was going to be pretty easy to figure out that Bobby Lashley was going to yeah. get the U.S. title. Sure, because, and he yeah. yeah, he had to. Yeah, yeah, because if you have a faction that you don't have any belts, you're, what, just friends hanging out. I'm yeah. sorry. I just, again, though, if you're the hurt business, you should be hurting people. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they're trying to establish now if you believe the alternate universe known as Raw Underground <laughs> where they're dominating. But it, like Coach Touchbond, I mean, it's just really puzzling to see when these groups are put together and they don't do anything, then finally yeah. now we're going to try establishing them as a threat. After yeah. the fact. But no. it's after the fact. Yeah. So, so we'll have to see kind of how this all plays out yep. moving forward. Uh, after that was a, a singles matchup between Sheamus and Big E, because reasons, uh, with Big <laughs> E defeating Sheamus. I'm not going to lie. Like We'll get to this match in a minute. The, there are eight, I'm reading off of eight matches from this card. I didn't care about the first half of this card. Sure. Agreed. No, no, this card started off very slow for this the matches. This m- match was better than what I thought it was because this is when I turned it on. I caught Sheamus's promo, which was weird as hell, as he was in this like Rocky esque looking outfit with the jacket, yeah. the wife beater, and the taped yeah. hands and the hat, yeah. you know, the fedora. I was like, is he going? Because I haven't watched SmackDown, so yeah. I was like, is he going for a Rocky thing here? Like the last I knew, he was in that program with Hardy, and he was still doing the old Celtic. You know, Seamus stuff, and then all of a sudden he's in this this outfit, and I'm like, 
What the shit is going on here? Yeah, Sheamus, the, after the Hardy feud, he's just kind of been floundering around. Like, well, that's what he a, does. Yeah, so that's why I said he was kind of in that weird gimmick, and I don't know if he's just trying to be like... But then, like, his in-ring gear was the same. Like, I thought he yeah. was going to come out and then fight in that and just play on, like, the old-style, you know, Mickey old-school, not Mickey from Rocky, but, like, Mickey Irish-looking s- s- outfit of, like, yeah. street fighting yeah. outfit yeah. back in, like, the 40s and 30s. It like, like you would see look like a bare-knuckle boxer. Yeah, like that yeah. type of thing. But instead, like, then he came out and he just wrestled in his normal gear, and I'm like, all right, now I'm wicked confused. Yeah. But on to the positives of this ma- match... Biggie is a star yes. waiting to be crowned. Fully agree. Oh yeah. Him. This dude needs to be just like Keith Lee, you know, is rumored to be strapped to the moon. They got strapped Keith Lee to the same or they got strapped Big E to the same rocket. Well, I think it's something a lot of people have forgotten because let's face it, people forget things after a little bit. As the law you know, the new day's been around for what, five, six years? Mm-hmm. Give or take. You know, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle of everything the New Day is. And as great as the New Day is, they're one of the best tag teams to come out of WWE in recent memory. It's easy to forget that Big E was a singles competitor and a very good singles competitor before New Day. Yeah. So to see him finally get his push, I mean, obviously, it's unfortunate it had to happen with Kofi getting injured and Xavier getting injured, but at least we have it now. Yeah, but sure, we don't know. Maybe even if they were around, he still could have been getting this because Kofi did. It's something that we've all been talking about for for a while. And it's it's a blessing in disguise because without – injuries happening Kofi probably wouldn't have won the, the title at Wrestlemania yeah same thing obviously we don't know what the outcome is here but Biggie wouldn't be getting this singles push if Kofi and Xavier weren't both out I yeah. would love a Drew McIntyre-esque run for Biggie in the Royal Rumble that leads him to wrestle the new top heel of SmackDown which we will talk about at the end of this card. Yeah, no, I fully agree with Hashtag that. Hashtag tease. Oh, I like, I, man, I love how you're doing this. Tease. All right, next up, Pat. Uh, that was a singles matchup between Matt Riddle and King Corbin with Matt Riddle defeating King Corbin. Also weird. Didn't, I mean, again, didn't care for this match. In fact, I chose this opportunity, this match, as an opportunity to go out and buy a little thing of ice, pint of ice cream. Well, I mean, the pre-interview, the pre-fight interview, pre-match interview, um... Uh, Charlie. Yep. Yeah. She, you know, says something about how uh, Baron Corbin says you're a bad wrestler, you're a bad this, you're a bad that, and you're a bad dad or something like that, bad father or bad husband. And he like had this like look of anger on his face. And then Baron, they came out, and you would think like, all right, um, angry Matt Riddle is a dangerous Matt Riddle mm-hmm. in real life and in the ring. Yep. So you would have thought he would have came out and just hooking it to Baron Corbin uh-huh. because he's pissed. And instead it was the opposite. Baron dominated the first, I want to say, maybe six to seven minutes of this match before Riddle was ultimately able to turn it around. But I just I don't I didn't get it. Like I would have thought like, all right, you you call me you want to call me a bad wrestler, whatever, bro. You want to call me a bad whatever, bro, that's fine. But then you call me a bad, you know, family person. Now you've crossed the line because that was what his face was during yeah, the interview. Uh-huh. And it did not go that direction. I, well, I think the one problem you're going to have with Matt Riddle is Matt Riddle is Matt Riddle. Yeah. So well, no, no matter character-wise, right. he's, he's just... But he, the thing, bro. though, is is he was yeah. bro, bro, bro. Every time she was like, oh, Baron Corbin said you're yeah. bad this. Baron Corbin said you're bad that. But then when she said the, the family line, yeah. then you saw the bro look go from a, okay, bro, to an angry bro. And, and he should have kept it. Yeah. And he should have went out and f- dominated. And yeah. instead... It was 70-30 Corbin to Riddle. Yeah. And it should have been 
70-30 Riddle to Corbin. Well, I think the only reason they wanted to do that, and note, I'm not agreeing with it. I'm just trying to figure it out, too, because once they kind of dabbled into the outside-the-ring line there, though it was supposed to be the you know the the match to light the fire there. Yeah. I don't think they wanted to squash Corbin. No, of course and, they and, don't, and, but because they don't have balls to do something like right, that. Right, because that's what they should have done. Yeah. But they didn't, so I, and, under, I understood it. And not to mention the fact that the post-fight, you know, post-match, the attack would have made even more sense had Riddle fucking just dominated him straight out the bat oh, with yeah. the bro, you know, bro oh, to yeah. sleep Fully. or whatever, you know, finisher, because he mm-hmm. has like nine of them that he wanted to use. Then, all right, you know, now Corbin's like, Oh my god! I just got dominated by this little chicken shit. No, no, no! no. I'm getting my comeuppance. I'm going to go get him back. That would have made that attack in the back make way more sense because after this match, it would have made you know the way that the match played out. You know, you would have thought they were done. Yeah. Because it was an even split match until the end when Riddle got the one up. No, it should have been Riddle dominated. Now Corbin's really pissed. Now I'm going to get even with you because you embarrassed me. Yeah. And now I'm going to kick your ass and attack you from behind like a chicken shit heel. Yeah. No. No. Right. Like, hey, WWE, I'm here. Call me. I mean, my biggest thing with Riddle is I don't think they know what the fuck to do with him since he's been up on the main roster. No, they don't. It, they don't. Admittedly, I, have no idea. I don't think they know what the hell to do with him on NXT. They don't know what to do with Corbin either. You know, but <laughs> I mean, and, and so I just, I just don't care for you know, <laughs> really? I just don't care for the stoner surfer, bro. You know, until they figure out what the hell they're going to do. Like, uh, uh, I, uh, he's in a feud with King Corbin. Why? Because Corbin put out a, a quote-unquote bounty. Bo- bounty on him. Sorry, I don't care about that. Like, put him in something that I give two shits about, and I'll pay attention. Well, what I think is ultimately going to happen is the Intercontinental title will become, like, the title to go after. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think you're going to see, like, Big E go for it. I think you're going to see Riddle go for it. Like, you remember back in, like, the 90s and 2000s? When the Intercontinental title was the title? Yeah. Yeah. And you know how there's, like, multiple feuds trying to get it? Right. You're going to see that happen. Like, a la, like, when Michaels and Razor Razor and and all them were vying for it. See, to me, I think that... All right, so obviously the the main event picture on SmackDown is pretty much tied up right now yeah with i think maybe you know besides the three that are in it right now i think you can probably tease uh a biggie or you know an aj styles on the outside like if it was the if it was the yeah we'll see if aj stays yeah well i mean i obviously um well he's not the guy that he's worried about is not writing so i think he'll hang around he's there though yeah but if you talk about it being like a, a a a uh, atmosphere you know those three are in the, the the frontier and then the outside bubble i think you got those two but then yeah everybody's out here and they're nowhere near the center of mass so it's like the the intercontinental picture is going to probably dominate the you know the miz will be in that hovering in oh, that, yeah, yeah you know that intercontinental title thing i just to me i think that what they should do with riddle if they're going to continue on this path put them with um uh, God, who's the Drew Gulak and, oh, Drew and Cable and have them start like a shooter's faction like they were kind of teasing with Thatcher and Riddle on um, on NXT for a little bit, you know, until they broke them up and had them feud that. Well, let's ca- bring catch point. Catch point. Yeah, let's do catch point in, on SmackDown. It would make a lot of sense to do it. Oh yeah, it would. But I think as how the writing's been. Sure, but I think it would give Riddle. You know, like you were saying, like I, I love the Riddle character. I don't give. A, I love the bro thing. I'm all down for it. I don't care. He can be the stoner dude all he wants. I think it's fun. I like the, duh, duh, you know, going yeah. around the ring. I'm all for it. Sign me up. But 
if you want to give him a sense of direction and point him somewhere, I think you got to either put him in a feud that is going to push, you know, his, you know, uh, to push him to the next level, or you put him in a group where he can be the focal point of that group and let him take off. Yeah. I mean, we got to just wait and see what happens, but I, I fully agree they got to do something with him because now that he's got the win, and I understand why they're trying to continue Well, they're the going to do – yeah, they're going to continue and, the food. Unless, unless they're just trying to buy time till the next big raw roster draft. Yeah. So we'll have to just kind of wait and see about that. Next up, Pat. Uh, was the women's uh, tag team matchup with Bailey and <sighs> Sasha Banks defending their belts against Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler with Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler emerging victorious. Coach? I – Oh, <laughs> I mean, I understand why you want to take the belts off them because you're trying to get the feud going here mm-hmm. with Sasha and Bailey because obviously the the women's division, like we were talking about earlier, is depleted and you need that number one face on SmackDown, especially if um, Alexa Bliss goes the direction that she's teasing to yeah, be going. Yeah, we'll get into that. So um, you know, you need Sasha there to be the number one face to go against Bailey's heel, and breaking them off is probably smart at this point. Uh, I just they lost it to the wrong team. That's just what I feel. Uh, I thought it was an okay match. I I think I predicted that Nia Jax and Shannon Baszler were going to go in just because when you see situations like this where it's a thrown together sure. tag team, yeah, and especially champi- two that don't like each other. Yeah, so you know, I thought that was interesting. You know, but and I think I do have a mild interest in the Bailey Sasha Banks matchup just because of the Twitter interaction that took place on Monday between the two, where uh, Sasha tweeted out, "I didn't tap." Yeah, and, and, and Bailey replied, "Dude." And so I'm like, oh, okay, we're we're you know putting some yeah. we're putting some uh, fuel on this fire a little bit here, you know. But the match itself was terrible. Just, you know, uh, according to ProFightDB.com, it lasted 10 minutes and 32 seconds. Should have ended probably four or five minutes uh, sooner. I actually didn't mind this match. <sighs> of course you didn't, you Blazer Homer. Yes. God damn. Well, I, well, I will say this though. Nia Jax cried. After winning the tag team titles. You got to let me finish for one sec. All right. I'll 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 try to restrain. Yeah, okay. <gasps> one, I can't stand Hell no, Team Hell No 2.0. That is what I'm referring <laughs> to them as. Okay. It's a good name. The finish was great. It was. I can give you that. And the in-ring oh. work between Baszler and, oh. and Sasha okay. was good. All right. That's fine. Yeah, I, I did. No, I, I, I will. I'm sorry. The, the post fight thing. For, <laughs> I did. I will give you the double submission attempt to Baszler put Bailey and Banks in was nuts. Oh yeah, that was crazy. That was nuts. Like I said, and Sasha was work, working this match. Like she was the MVP of this match. Well, Sasha does that though. Right. That right. is what Sasha does. Yeah, because she was definitely carrying Nia a lot during this match. Uh-huh. But and Bailey too. But like I said, they I, yeah they both I mean have MVP awards because I'm so like. I, okay. I just can't. I just I don't. A I don't want to say something that's going to be mean. And B I just my Blazer feelings. I like her on the main roster. They obviously have no clue what to do with her. Well, I yeah. They. Doesn't. I mean, literally, they cannot peg a. You could have a million ideas on a board, and they could not hit one of them. I think they had an idea, but it goes back to you. Your point about Becky leaving. Yeah. They had an yeah. idea. They were going to. Fo- I think, I with think that. they yeah. were going to. I think they were going to follow the blueprint. That was laid down in NXT, where she showed up, wrecked house to borrow from you know Roman's T-shirt, and she left. You know, come in, roughshod everybody, dominate everybody, and leave. I think the blueprint was there. Just the person you were so laser focused that you couldn't take the time to 
plan out any other options in case something happens, a la pregnancy, which, you know, congratulate again, congratulations to Becky. Mm-hmm. But that situation occurred and you don't didn't have a backup plan. And now you don't know what to do with her. So, yeah, what are we going to our attack team? Yeah. So overall, though, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But after seeing how they celebrated after mm-hmm. and then the Monday Night Raw thing, they are team held. Hell no, 2.0. Pretty much. Like, I'm sorry. And, like, I'm just hoping this is a quick transition thing. Uh, I think so. I riot. doubt it. Who else is going to get the tag team title? Riot, give it, give riot it to squad. the Riot Squad. I, I think the story is there where, you know, the breakup and now they're back together and the healing of, of wounds. And I think it's a, I think it's a I, good I mean, story. I would love to see it happen. I just don't think it will. I don't know. I could just get fingers crossed. But, I, but like I said, I enjoyed the matches for what it was, and I thought the, the finish was excellent. Yeah. Next up, though, uh, was a singles matchup between the limitless Keith Lee and Randy Orton with, very surprisingly, uh, Keith Lee pinning Randy Orton clean. Bask in his glory. Yes. I mean, I thought this was going to end in some sort of schmaz where, you know, this would have been retribution's time to come out, if anything, to attack Keith Lee, you know, and, and, and disrupt this match and, or to attack both guys and, and disrupt this match and, you know, end in a no DQ or end in a DQ or a no contest. That's what I thought was going to happen here. I just did not. There was no way in my right mind I thought Keith Lee was going to go over Randy Orton in six minutes. No, I thought there was going to be some sort of DQ finisher as well just because, like you said, Randy's kicked the head off of like what five or six legends at this mm. point and he's in the middle of a world title feud right yeah. he's got that <laughs> he's got that going but you got just just got keith lee who vince according to the rumors wants to push to the moon that he asked randy himself to lose to keith lee and randy agreed and to make it. him look good make doing him it look like he a rock star made him look like a million goddamn bucks so i figured there'd be some sort of shenanigans you know a la retribution running in or maybe a drew mcintyre run in. i know they said a couple times throughout the night that oh he's got a hairline jaw fracture i figure they're planting the seed of oh you're not going to see him not going to see him surprise here he is yeah you know but i'm very surprised that keith won no i'm very happily surprised he won clean uh, and like I say, I am fully buying that they're going to absolutely push him to the moon. He might be a world champion by Royal Rumble. Could be. If Oof. not sooner. I'll even I'll throw that wild prediction out. Because I think that what's going to happen is, I know they announced that Drew versus Orton is going to happen at Clash Champions, the uh-huh. next pay-per-view. Yep. And I could see Drew retaining, and I can also see Keith Lee facing him. I'll say there are rumors that it's going to be turned into a triple threat. Yeah, well, it might happen, and that's where I think you might see Lee win. I think it's a little early to be. I mean, listen, I get the strap to the moon thing. Big Keith Lee guy. Don't want to make it sound like I'm not. I just think it's a little early right now, given current circumstance, current given current storylines and everything giving the belt to him at Clash of Champions. Yeah, no, I think at Clash of Champions you don't do it. Especially without fans. Yeah. And I know the Thunderdome helps, but you give Keith Lee the championship this early, and I really think it's going to stunt any sort. Like, look at what happened with Drew McIntyre. Yeah. I I was talking to my wife about it. I go, he was so goddamn hot in the Royal Rumble. So hot. On fire. We We were all... Give him the championship. We want to see him versus Brock. Mm-hmm. Then COVID hit, and now his world title reign has been a sham. Yeah. And it's not any fault of his own. No, it's not. It's just it's what it's what we've talked about time and time again. Just given current circumstances, I think if you do the same thing to Keith Lee, you are going to hurt anything that he can do with the world championship. 
Oh, because yeah. there's not going to be the moment. Well, let's not all. Let's also not forget. Uh, there's also a Money in the Bank briefcase waiting in the wings. That given who's the uh, champion on the other side of the roster, Otis. I don't see Otis challenging for that belt anytime soon. No, probably not. I because if he does, that's going to be a squash match. If I ever saw one, no, I don't I, even know why at this point why he has that. Fucking I, I think they're waiting for the raw draft and again, and I think then you might see something happen there. Yeah, uh, that's the only thing I think with that. But Keith Lee winning is huge, and we'll just kind of have to wait to see what happens yeah. there. Next up uh, was a tag team matchup between the Mysterio family and Dominic and Ray taking on uh, Seth Rollins and Murphy, uh, with Dominic and Ray emerging victorious. No real surprise here. No, I knew, I knew Blake was going to take the loss. Um, Dominic looked good again, yep. you know, and this time mixing up with two different, yeah. you know, not just working with a great hand that is Seth, but now mixing it up with Blake too, Yeah, who I know Blake has done a lot of work with like guys who have come in looking to train, you know, Blake does that kind of like, yeah. uh, yep. like, uh, how, uh, McGillicuddy did McGillicuddy and, uh, the guy who got released that does the Zack Ryder podcast. Oh thing. yeah. Oh, Brian Myers. Brian Myers. Yeah. He did a lot of work with the rock and stuff. So, um, you know, uh, Good match. I yeah, mean, the, the, yeah. the it sucks that Mysterio possibly tore both triceps. Yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. huge bummer. Yeah, especially the fact that he just came back from the yeah. quote unquote eye injury. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. now it's like, what do you do with Dominic? Yeah, no, it was a great matchup. You could, do, I like the chemistry obviously between Dominic and Ray. It was cool to see them use the moves in, in tandem. You know, you could tell they've been working on that. And I, and like I said, with the uh, SummerSlam. It was a perfect matchup with to put Seth with him because he will make them look like a million bucks. Murphy even more so. Yeah, and you know for Dominic, send him to two hundred five live or send him to NXT. Uh, NXT makes more sense. Yeah, I, I, I mean he's, he, he's not main roster ready. I don't think he. I, but the problem is I don't see him on his own just yet. Is the problem? No, pair him mm. with a pair him with faction down there. I know, but I mean, then what face faction do you have that you can pair him with? Well, I think that's something you know. They, not one. They, they might be able to do something with him down there. Like I, th- like they'll come up with something. I mean, I'm I sure think, they the will. Thing I think just, it is is like you don't necessarily have to build him up because the last name holds some uh, weight. To yeah, it. right, and it does. But I just, I mean, at twenty, what four, twenty five, yeah, and yeah. given the fact that his first match was SummerSlam, and then boom, and payback against you know arguably one of the best wrestlers in this current generation, in Seth Rollins, mm-hmm. you know, it's like. Then what do you do with him? You know, anything else is going to seem it's going to be a step down. It's going to so be a step down. He's, he's got to go to like NXT. Yeah, but the uh, but again though, I just the problem is, is I don't think him on his own right now is uh, without Ray is the move. Should note he's twenty three. Well, even worse. Yeah, so Fuck. that's what I said. But, you know, but I could I could see Ray going down there as a trainer. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah. and, and be like, there. I'll if, say Ray can't wrestle. You know, he possibly has two torn biceps. He he can be a manager. If he yeah. yeah, if he could manage him and they could do NXT, I think that would be the move. A la, you know, like Shawn Michaels and uh, Jose Lothar, Jose Lothar uh, like that style thing. That. Especially once Ray gets healthy and then he can turn on him and go, and then Dominic can go heel. Sign me up for that. I'll say that can also be a huge boost for NXT in that you ever say, hey, check out Rey Mysterio and his son Dominic this, you know, Wednesday on NXT. Or, like, even if maybe you turn, you know, Garza or, uh, my God, my brain is just not functioning right now. Who's Garza with? Andrade. Turn one of them face and let him, let them pair together and tag team. Even that might be okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, I, mean I just, I just, I, I'm sorry. I don't see a 23 year old Dominic Mysterio whose first match was against Seth Rollins, and now you're just going to say feast, you know, yeah. sink or swim. Yeah. I don't think that's the move. 
It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, there, Sky is endless for him. It's just being at such a young age, he's got to really show that he can hang on that main roster. Yeah, this is not but, Cody Rhodes. Yeah. You know, like this is a 22, 23-year-old Dominic who, you know, needs to get some some work underneath his belt before you can start talking family name. Yeah, mm. because, you know, what? anybody can have a great match with Seth Rollins. Exactly. Exactly. But try True. going against some of the other people on the roster, just yeah. saying. Yeah. And to close out. Uh, was the matchup for the Universal Championship. You had a triple threat. What was it? No holds barred matchup. Yep. Yeah. Uh, between the, the Fiend defending against Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns. Uh, with Roman Reigns emerging victorious to become your and new Universal Champion. The tip of the cap to you, Charles Robinson. Because yes. you, my friend, were the star of this match. Yeah. The bump he took. Oh. Incredible. Tremendous. Yeah. Sold the ring breaking like a million bucks. And it's funny, I mentioned to you guys off air, but yep. I didn't realize that the ring was gimmicked until maybe about a minute or two before it happened. It's funny, I didn't notice that, but I noticed it probably when they were going up for that powerbomb spot or that whatever move it was spot, and I'm like, wait. And I noticed the ring corners weren't the LED corners, and I go, wait a minute, is this ring gimmick to break? And sure as shit, there it went. Yeah. Yeah, this match, honestly, you know, you've been listening to the show for a while. I have no interest in this feud. Though. Oh, man. I'm, I'm just bummed. And the, the reason I was I was kind of passively interested in this card just because, yeah, half the matchups, I like I said, I didn't care for. But once you saw Roman pair with... Uh, well, Roman was the X factor. In this. Well, Roman, I was I was interested to see Roman come back because we haven't seen him in a while. And, and obviously, you had SummerSlam where he came back looking like a heel. So sure. is he a heel or is he that kind of in-between where he's going to beat your ass? but he's going to be a nice guy about it. But then you flash forward to Friday Night SmackDown, and I saw stuff on Twitter, and I actually was hanging out with my girlfriend, and I flipped it over to Fox to catch it in time, and I'm like, holy shit, he's with Paul Heyman. So that's where I was excited. I'm like, all right, if I wasn't watching Payback before, I am now, because I wanted to see Paul do his intro with like he does with Brock with Rowan mm. got bummed out on that one that we didn't get it yeah I I actually these two were having Braun and, and Bray were having a really good match yeah they were yeah. up until the you know Roman thing coming out and that just put the icing on the cake because I I mean the Alexa Bliss segment mid-match was a little weird I thought yeah. maybe she was going to come out and Mr. do something Jay. I'm glad yeah right I'm glad she yeah. didn't I'm glad that that was avoided um, but I thought these two given that it was a no DQ match was perfect for both characters because they were able to be violent and they were able to use gimmicks and make the match look better instead of having to try and wrestle in the ring and tell a story. So that worked really well. Um, I the 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 thing with Bray is I watched the um, the uh, post WrestleMania whatever story that was there mm-hmm. uh, prior to this. I have a, a newfound respect for Bray. This dude has a passion and oh, yeah. like is oh, yeah. such a gentle, genuinely like good guy that now like I I actually I mean I'm not a huge Bray guy just because I like the small worker more than I like the giant, you know guy beast so like seeing him and watch him getting emotional and the the excitement that he had when he won the belt and everything because you let's not forget this guy went from no selling brock to everybody being like oh he has no respect for the business look he can't even sell for the biggest draw in all of wrestling to then being like i got the call that i won the belt or that was going to go over and you know you see tears start to come down yeah. his face because he never thought it was going to happen and you're like this guy does have a passion like he gets it you know, so I, I, that respect that I developed for him now it has me invested in him as a character. So I was watching this match like, all right, let's go, Bray. But then when Roman came out, I was like, yes, 
Paul, the chair, yeah. let's go. I'm just really bummed we didn't get, and I know we'll get it, but I really wanted Paul to come out and do his intro for Roman. Sure. Day. Yeah, no. And I, we'll get it. We'll I, get it. Yeah, we're going to get it eventually because, I mean, obviously that was the kickoff for Friday night, and that was the big thing going in this weekend. Paul Heyman is now paired up with Roman Reigns. Obviously, we know Brock Lesnar is a quote-unquote free agent. And, well, and supposedly the reason for them pairing uh, Heyman with Roman is to give him an edgier look, but it's also because uh, he is still getting paid his uh, amount of for his contract, which is a rather hefty from what I read, and it's to kind of justify the contract. Yeah, no, and it makes perfect sense because if you if you want to transition Roman Reigns into a right. heel or putting an anti-hero, putting him with Paul Heyman is the perfect. You could because you couldn't you couldn't just have him because when he came out and bashed him with the chairs and everything, like yeah, us three. You know, older guys who have watched wrestling for a long time, like we get the idea of that's a heel tactic. Yeah. Like, but for little kids, like you know, or maybe the in between crowd that you know is the casual viewer, they're probably just like, oh, Roman's just really mad and wants to get you know even with everybody, so he's coming out and he's kicking ass and the shirt wreck and leave. Like that's a very faces uh-huh. face face style shirt because like it just shows that he's coming to kick ass and take names. So yeah, that's something you can get behind. Yeah. So they needed that. That just vile, nasty, and rotten Paul Heyman to be there to really push the heel thing over the top. And yeah. that's uh-huh. exactly what Paul Heyman knows how to do. Yeah, yeah. No, he absolutely did it. And like I said, the, the whole Braun Bray feud going into this, I, I like the swamp match really just took me out of it. Right. And, and I get and, that. And, and the thing, too, especially with giving Alexa Bliss the mandible claw, and it was apparently the hurt hand. Yeah. Which is supposed to have the powers to revert her back to characters. Like, that's the one thing I'm noticing a lot more is happening. Oh, yeah. That depending on what right, what hand? Yeah, yeah. that's all. But he gave, now he gave Finn the hurt hand, and then he turned heel. Yeah, so yeah. But now that they've pointed that out, it's now they're playing on it. Yeah, you they're, know? they're completely playing on. It. So to see her revert back to, I guess, her original character in NXT. Oh, that's where I took it. Where she was the ice princess. The, the ice princess. Oh, God no. That's where well, I think it's, it's, it's going to get me. That's gonna, I'm not going to be able to watch SmackDown anymore because yeah. my wife won't let me. Because you. It's interesting though, just because like I caught the clip from Friday Night SmackDown where she, uh, she and I, what was it, Tamina, were talking with Nikki Cross. And, yeah, and she and smashed the cup. She smashed the cup, but uh, they pointed out that she had dreadlock, a couple dreadlocks in her hair. Oh, okay. So, which was like an interesting thing. So I wonder how much of this kind of turn is like her own idea, it's Creative's own idea, or maybe because they're pairing her with Bray. Is Bray coming up with ideas and saying, "Hey, why don't, I think Bray's why don't you do this?" Well, that, that's the thing with Bray. Bray's always had the talent, but he was just kind of given crappy gimmicks for a while. And he, had, you know, Husky Harris with with Nexus mm-hmm. and that whole thing. And then he obviously he debuted with as Bray Wyatt, which had some success, but obviously he's spinning the tires for a lot of years more so than others. Let's not forget the, the some the WrestleMania matchup with Randy, where there were bugs in the middle of the ring projected because reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, he was kind of given some stuff and wasn't really going anywhere for a while. And from what I was reading, he was pushing this Fiend character with them for a while. We all remember when he disappeared off of TV for a while and tweeted out about that whole thing about, oh, I've been seeding promos and this and that for, you know, five years ago for however many straight weeks. Like, he's been building for this. He's been pushing for this. I think it finally took the right set of circumstances for them to go, you know what? You've been pushing this idea with us for a couple of years now. Why don't we let you run with it and see where this goes? Yeah. Well, and the weird thing, too, is I read a rumor that they're actually trying to segue and Bray to be the a number face. one face. Which I don't see. Like, when he's that... So weird. He's that scary looking. How do you make him a face? Yeah. You know what? If anybody can pull it off, it's Bray. Yeah. So I, I get full credit. But overall, though, the card was pretty solid. I would have to say one of the best ones of the year. I thought... Yeah. I, so, I mean, if I know we're not probably... Like, why talk about Raw? But, I mean, I thought that this was going to build momentum into Raw, and Raw was going to be a really good show. Yeah, and it wasn't. It wasn't. 
No, it, it was not. I, I, so I don't know what happened between Sunday and Monday, but my God, Sunday was a really good, sneakily quiet, good show. That good. like you know, outside of the first four matches, even though they you know the Big E Sheamus match was good. Uh, you know, I thought they were going to build some momentum, and I'm like, they're going to turn it around. This is going to be great wrestling. And then Raw happened, and I was like, they bit me again. Those yeah. sons of bitches. You know, I mean, uh, payback, you know, Biggie and Sheamus was good, but the other early matches, I just didn't give to you know what's about. But for the second half, it was really good. And, and the card for being a week removed from SummerSlam was better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it definitely was. I think we're going to see a lot more ramifications come on SmackDown because, yeah. like Coach Touchpon, Raw was not good. I don't even want to kind of dive into it, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, no, it's no. Really, let's skip that. <laughs> no, but to close out this segment, though, I kind of want to pose something. Okay. We have a match of the year candidate, which is going to air tonight on NXT. Potential, hey. potential match of the decade. Well, break it down, Pat. Uh, so they're taking place tonight because uh, it is an episode of NXT. That is because there is hockey being shown on the USA Network uh, on Wednesday as we record. Uh, is, is a special episode of NXT. And how special is it? Well, on last week's episode of NXT, if you did not see, uh, Karrion Cross confirmed the rumors that he did suffer a, well, not even rumors. They put a damn video out about it. Uh, he has a separated shoulder. And while he could, thinks he could compete, they obviously would not let clear him to compete so he vacated the title so you saw a clip backstage of uh what was it william regal triple h uh sean michaels and then somebody else was there road dog i think was back there mm-hmm. uh kind of conversing figuring out what they were going to do and my god they came up with a grand slam of an idea taking place tonight as we record on a special episode of nxt is a one hour uh fatal four-way matchup between uh tomaso champa johnny gargano Finn Balor and Adam Cole, baby, for the NXT Championship. It's going to be amazing, Coach. Oh my God! Who you got? I so I'm I'm stuck in between Finn and a returning Champa. I I don't know why I feel like Champa might be able to sneak it out, but I'm really I'm hoping for Finn. I'm th- I'm th- hoping for Finn too. You just had it on on Cole. I think they might have some bigger plans with uh, Undisputed Era. Maybe even a call up here down the road. Um, Champa, especially with the rumors going around that he might be in Retribution or not. You know, Gargano. I could I could see it happening, but I think what you've had. We said it on a couple episodes ago. You've had Finn down at NXT for a couple of months now. You're doing absolutely goddamn nothing with him. Give him the belt and let him run. I fully agree. I think it's going to be Finn all day. I think it makes a lot of sense on a lot of different fronts. So we'll kind of have to wait to see what's going on with that. But that's going on tonight. And my question I'm going to pose is we are going to be breaking down AEW's All Out, which Uh is happening this weekend. This is their WrestleMania card. Obviously, last year is when Chris Jericho became the world champion for the first time, defeating uh, Hangman Adam Page. And then they started their rollout to TV. It's now been a year later. Yep. Uh, the show has been hit or missed, I think, to put it mildly. Yeah, a lot of miss for me. Yeah. So going into this pay-per-view, uh, which is going to be on BR Live and traditional pay-per-view, so definitely check where you're going to be watching. So just don't watch it on BR Live because it's going to crash a lot. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ooh. It, it, it's happened. Pew. Facts are facts. Pew, pew, pew. We are going to be live streaming it. Uh, reactions on twitch.tv slash 607podcast. Uh, pay-per-view is going to be starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, so let us break down this card, and then when we get done breaking down this card to close this segment out, is anything on this card going to beat NXT's main event tonight? 
That is the question I'm going to pose to the panel. So, Pat, okay. let's kick it off. Yeah, so uh, leading off the match, uh, we'll mention, I'll kind of mention this first one. It's hard to tell who's going to face up in it because uh, the episode of Dynamite has yet to air, so we don't know what the final matchup is going to be. Uh, it's going to be whoever wins between Private Party and SoCal Uncensored uh, going up against whoever wins between Jurassic Express and the Young Bucks. So don't know what the matchup is because uh, we'll find out who is in that matchup on the uh, this week's episode of Dynamite. Uh, but the first match we do know uh, is Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara in a broken rules match. Which oh, apparently there is now in the stipulation if Matt Hardy loses, he leaves AEW. I believe that. So I, so if Matt Hardy leaves, he'll just come back as one of the 17 different gimmicks. Yep. Or he might got his he might have gotten his release. So we there's been a lot of internet rumors, so take them for what you will. That what? He, yeah, that he is. Uh, uh, the AEW uh, grass is not so green. Well, also, it's hard to do. Allegedly, it's hard to do the broken gimmick when there aren't real fans in the audience for a while. Yeah, so we'll kind of have to wait and see about this one. So I'm going to say Guevara wins. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say Guevara as well. All right, I think Matt Hardy because okay. I had not heard any of these rumors, and I'm going off the cuff. Okay. Uh, after that, you have the Dark Order uh, versus Matt Cardona, Scorpio Sky, and the Natural Nightmares. So to fill you in, the Dark Order is comprised of your AEW TNT champion Brody Lee. Yep. And Colt Cabana, and I believe they're uh, tag or the Super Smash Brothers. Okay, uh, formerly known as uh, Player Uno, and um, I'm skipping the other gentleman's name against Matt Cardona, formerly known as Zack Ryder, Scorpio Sky, Dustin Rhodes, and QT Marshall. That's the Natural Nightmares. Ah, uh, so that being said, Dark Order all day. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's pretty cut and dry unless they really want to push Zack Ryder. Um, or Cardona, rather, but I, as far as I heard, Cardona's deal is only a, a handful of dates. So oh, interesting. I don't know exactly unless something's going to get reworked about that. So that's why I said Dark Order is going to win, especially if you have Dark Order completely decimate Cody on TV, and that's where Brody won the title. So yeah, uh, yeah maybe enough said there. Yeah. Uh, after that, you have a twenty-one man casino battle royale for an AEW championship opportunity. So this one's kind of wide open who's involved. I know they've been teasing Lance Archer versus uh, Brian Cage uh-huh. and kind of some back and forth. So I would imagine uh, you'll see that will be the big blow up there. And then for who gets the title shot, um, considering everybody involved and who's on roster, uh, it's kind of wide open. Dark Horse, Jeff Cobb. I would love it. I would mark out like nobody's give, business. Give, give, on me, live give me Jeff Cobb versus Moxley in like a no holds barred match. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that would be great. If you, put, if you do that, I might watch. Yeah. Well, I. Uh, I, I tell you what, you're going to have to watch the stream reaction, and if Jeff Cobb winds up winning this thing. If it's not Jeff Cobb, I want it to be Orange Cassidy. Well, Cassidy we'll get into a little bit later on this card, but, yeah, it, it's this one, it's anybody's guess. So we've got to see who's all the entrance in, yeah. and I'll give the official yep. prediction on the Twitch. Sure. Uh, after that is the AEW Women's Championship with Hikaru Shida defending her belt against Thunder Rosa. Yeah, Rosa just signed, uh, coming from NWA, I believe. Sure. Uh, so I'm going with Rosa for the win. Okay. I'm going to agree with Ken because I don't know either of them. Uh, I'm going to go with Hikaru Shida just because Ken said Thunder's uh, just debuting. Yep. Uh, she debuted, I think, on TV last week. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, she was the NWA world title okay. uh, champion. So I'm going to say she she wins. Uh, and new. Okay. Uh, moving on, you have the for the AEW Tag Team Championship, uh, Kenny Omega and Adam Page defending against FTR. So this one, they've been teasing this feud for so long. Uh, Adam Page is it was a, apparently officially kicked out of the Elite. Yeah, saw the clip. Which he quit months ago. And unless you're following everything they do on YouTube, it's one thing that drives me nuts about AEW. 
that they want you to consume every single media outlet to yep. follow their storylines, and I think that hurts more than helps. Yep. I'm sorry. If anybody thinks it's supposed to be the new way to do things, I'm sorry. I'm old school. It just, I just don't drink that Kool-Aid. I don't have enough time. Yeah, I just yeah, I don't either. So this one, I think we're finally going to get the breakup between Adam Page and Kenny Omega. Yeah. I think Omega turns heel. And I think Paige goes off with FTR, and it's going to be the start of the new Horseman, which they're kind of teasing a little bit because Tully Blanchard is now managing FTR. Oh, after, come on! After Arn Anderson reworked their deal, just leaving it there. Reasons, reasons, but another end new finally. Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. Although I think it'll be Adam Page turning heel, just because I don't watch AEW, but I did, I did hear about. Uh, him interfering on Dynamite last week, so I, I found the clip on YouTube, and I was like, oh, okay, that's mildly interesting. So but I, Year of Omega is coming. As a heel, I'll take it. They didn't say it was going to be face or heel. It just has to be the Year of Omega. That's what it ha- It was written as it is spoken, so it has to happen, unless it was a change of plans. I don't know. I didn't Unless it was on like their Twitch channel. Who knows? It could be. Who knows? Uh, moving <laughs> on, in, in your co-main event, uh, you have Chris Jericho taking on Orange Cassidy in a Mimosa Mayhem uh, match. Whatever the hell that is. Oh, no. Uh, the Apparently, it is a no-holds-barred match, which is pinfall submission, or there's going to be a tank of Mimosa, and the loser could get thrown in that, and that's the sure. end of the match. Can they hose him down a la Stone Cold or Kurt Angle uh, with a truck full of Mimosa and a hose? Because that'd I, be funny. I'm not doubting that, to be honest with you. I think that Cassidy has to win because yeah. he is the star of well, I guess I shouldn't say star, but he is the he is the up and coming guy who I think needs to go over here. He's the biggest name on that on that uh roster that breaks through the kind of diehards that know, like you have the internet wrestling community and the wrestling community that know the Bucks, they know Kenny, they know sure. Co- they know Cody, but Orange Cassidy kind of transcends all of that just because of his style. I saw an interaction online on Twitter from somebody I follow who showed uh, an Orange Cassidy match to their parents who have never watched wrestling, have never seen a minute of wrestling, mm. and were enthralled by it. You know, I've shown it to my parents and they think it's rather amusing. You know, Orange Cassidy transcends traditional wrestling fans even diehard wrestling fans he's the only reason why i check out AEW. yeah Yeah. like i've i've had the opportunity to meet him in person he's a fantastic wrestler he's an awesome guy i think chris jericho you know who he is you know the resume you know what he's done you know the accolades he doesn't need the win no this has to be orange cassidy all day if jericho wins you're burying one of your top stars Mm -hmm. i'm sorry at this stage and if they do trust me uh, we will have a lot to say on social media about sure. this because for being the young, hip, new, fresh alternative, yeah, you're not building stars. You're just recycling stuff that has been used before. Right. Yep. And I'm sorry. Like I, I, I really want to see this company succeed, so they need to start doing the right things mm-hmm. and, and making new stars because if you're just relying on everybody who just left the WWE to become your champion, you're going to fail Yep. overall. I'm sorry. It's just going to happen that way. So Cassidy needs to win. Yep. To the main event, though. Uh, yep, for the AEW Championship, you have John Moxley defending his belt against MJF. Any thoughts? I, I mean, they've blown the MJF character. They they had lightning in a bottle early on with his initial heel turn, and they wasted it with that feud with Cody. And then they kind of – I know he was allegedly hurt, and they just didn't do enough with him to keep him in the limelight that – They've kind of missed the boat. So, I mean, to me, him going over uh, uh, Moxley does nothing for me now. It would have three months, six months ago. 
when he was the hottest heel in the business. Mm. But right now, I don't see how you don't keep the belt with John. Pat? Yeah, no, I'm kind of in the same boat. I feel like you've missed the opportunity with MJF through no fault of his own. He's a fantastic heel and one of the best, if not the best heel in the business right now. But, you know, the ship has sailed on that one. You you missed that one, so, you know, maybe try and work around and get back to it again, but I don't, I don't see him winning. So let's take a quick time travel here. Since AEW was announced two years ago, mm-hmm. had the big announcement in Jacksonville, and they announced all these new faces that were going to sign, Joey Janela, Pac, MJF. Who has really taken off that has been a fresh new face? Crickets. Exactly. I mean, Cassidy was real hot early on when he initially signed. Well, yeah, he had that. He had that built in already, though, coming right. in. Right, but but when he when he finally got to the dance, so to speak, sure, his card was not pulled. I listen. I'm I am the probably one of the biggest anti AEW because of all the pro AEW people that we that we know. Mm-hmm. You know, outside of like three FN, like I loathe AEW because I can't stand the fans of AEW. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I get what you're trying to tease here. It was obviously, you know, it was the, it's the WWE guys, the yeah. ex- WWE that they pushed, and they're following the old WCW, you know, mantra and everything of building upon old stars. I I but what I want to say though is is that I feel if MJF didn't get hurt, he would have been the top heel and he would have been over. But he got hurt and shit just – I feel like they deviated from the plan because of that. And Tony Khan obviously took over the book. And I think he saw that Moxley was so red hot that they had to give him the belt. Mm. You know what I mean? Like no, I, I, I get what you're trying to say because I do not disagree. Yep. I just think that had MJF not gotten hurt, I feel like they would have given him more push. I And I and I, that's what I was saying, kind of alluding to, is if had he not gotten hurt – he would have been your top star. Like yeah. there is no chance he wouldn't have been. He's he's super talented on the microphone. I don't think anybody can really come near him right now. Right. And for what they've been doing about his hashtag not my champion campaign, yeah, to get the title, I think has been some of the best mic work that they've had in that company, let alone all pro wrestling all year. I will say that without any doubt. So this all has been building up that where coach has been touching upon. MJF was on a hot streak, had the great feud with Cody Rhodes, got hurt had been relegated to the beginning of the show. Which, and, and just in spots and just, in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. And, and just essentially buried. Yeah. To now they finally let him loose. He cuts this amazing promo. He's riding a lot of main event or momentum into the main event, I should say. Uh, the go-home show, He's uh, John Moxley is wrestling his attorney. Yeah. So, so it is what it is there. But once we get to Saturday night, if – AEW is smart. They give him the belt and say, "Here you go, MJF." The last year of yeah. history tells me they're not. Yeah, but that's I why I say, like, I I don't think so. And if Moxley wins, like, I just need some somebody to explain this to me. That if we're supposed to be the brand new, fresh company that we're not WWE 2.0, then show me why you're not WCW 3.0. I so think you search social media, you'll see the people telling you. I think yeah. that. Mox, I say I'm the opposite. I think Moxley has to go over because the 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 ball was dropped with MJF, mm-hmm. and him winning the title right now doesn't make sense. Even though he his mic work has been absolutely great and everything, there's just you know if you have Moxley drop the belt, you don't have another face that's enough of a star that's there ready to take Moxley's 
spot against MJF because the natural one would have been Cody. But he's off TV. But he's off TV, and he can't ever wrestle for the world title because of that dumbass stipulation. Yeah, which they'll find a way around. Right, I'm sure they will too, but... Well, he's also getting ready to film a TV show. Right, but let's just, all things considered, all, all current lines of story and everything, Cody can't challenge or wrestle MJF again. So if he wins the title, then he really can't wrestle him again. So now we're in a position here where who else is the secondary star outside of Moxley that you arguably could say right now, next pay-per-view or next... You know, thing would be the number would be the number one contender. Omega, if he stays a face, but yeah. but really, what has he done that really says to you outside? Get forget the right, NJ, right, uh, right. forget the New Japan shit. This is current day AEW. Mm. Nobody, they have they have no secondary face right now. No, that could push for the world title. And that's the problem they're going to have, and they have to figure out. That's, that's why, why I say, but it, but that's why Moxley has to win because they've put themselves in this position. See, my my thinking about this is if they give the belt to MJF, and if they do keep Omega face, you can do something there. Yeah, but you but, have four months of Omega just plodding along in oh, this tag team oh, where he's looked like shit. I grant you, but considering how AEW has booked their storylines, that's why I'm saying it's not out of the realm of thought. Sure. I'm, not, I'm not saying I agree with it. But I can see because it. Because if they go by the rankings, it's Darby. Yeah. And, and is really is you're going to tell me that you're going to mainline a pay-per-view of Darby Allen? No discredit to Darby. I don't want to disrespect no, anybody. No, I get you, but, but you want to tell me you're going to main card a main event of a pay-per-view with Darby Allen versus MJF for your world title? It's a question we're going to find out Saturday that, night. You think that's going to put the, you know, as the Bischoff thing would say, the butts in the seats? The marks will be there if the casuals won't. Yeah. Sure. And that's going to be the problem AEW is going to have to answer come Saturday night. So to quickly wrap this up. No. Uh, <laughs> nothing AEW does in the next two decades will top tonight on right. NXT. I know, and you know what? I've got friends who were like, uh, "This is a you know a recipe for disaster." You know, it's how do you put these guys in an hour long, uh, fatal four way Iron Man match? And I say to you, kind sir, who will remain nameless but lives in Texas, I will say that you have four of the most talented wrestlers in all of the business. They will find a way. To make sure, and not to mention, you have arguably one of the smartest minds in all of wrestling help book this match. They will find a way to make sure that A, this makes sense, B, it's not just a shitty spot fest, and C, they tell a story that leads you to something that's going to be magical. It's it's four of the biggest names on in NXT of all time. It is four of the most trustworthy guys in NXT of all time. It is four four guys who, when the chips are down, you need a great match. You can turn to any one of them, and they can turn somebody on that roster who might not be a main event star and make them look like a million goddamn dollars. How many matches in the last five years have they those guys have either combined together or separately that have been you know five star match of the night? candidates or match of the year candidates they're they're dependable they're guys that you can turn to at the drop of a hat like with carrying cross sure being out for the next nine months or whatever the hell it is mm-hmm. with an injury that you can turn to on a dime and go we need you guys to wrestle a match next week for the title and they go all right let's go and i'll i mean i just want to add this real quick before you can 
I mean, Adam Cole has been the most consistent wrestler NXT's had. I mean, outside, outside of Gargano and Ciampa, because they've done great work together and all that stuff, and all their other stuff has been great, Adam Cole has been that guy that when you've said, hey, Adam, we need a five-star match, Adam has gone out consistently, whether it's been in a six-man ladder match, whether it's been against a guy who's never wrestled before in his life, whether it's been against a big guy, a small guy, Keith Lee, you name it. He has gone out there and consistently performed at a level that – I don't know where he was on this PWI wrestling chart, but if it was not inside the top 10, that is a crock of shit. They, and they've also worked together enough over the years, both WWE and, sure. and the indies, that they know each other. They know what and, they can do. And you sprinkle in the fact that they're going to be able to tell the Ciampa Gargano story. They're probably going to tease them teaming up together. Like, you have so many working pieces that they're going to add all the, they're going to sprinkle all those elements in that when it's done baking, you're going to have this delicious treat ready to be served to you. I will just end it with this. For our friend in Texas that is delusional <laughs> about this, twitch.tv slash 607podcast, if you think that this is going to be the match of the year, and to quote Mr. Bruno Mars, if you don't believe me, just watch. Yeah. So join in the conversation Thursday night on twitch.tv slash 607podcast, and definitely join in the conversation with us here on the ODPH what is your thoughts about AEW? What is your thoughts about the Iron Man match happening on NXT? What is your thoughts about WWE Payback? We gave you so much to talk about. Let's have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. In Local Minute, we just have to give a shout-out to Excite Wrestling and one Joe Gacy, who wrestled his last show for Excite Wrestling this past week at the Drive Up Wrestling Show. Uh, It was a lot of fun, obviously, and he has now been officially signed. It's been leaked out to the NXT developmental roster, so congratulations, Joe. Absolutely. Can't wait to see what he does down there on Wednesday nights when he gets the chance to and speaking of yeah. Excite Wrestling, mm-hmm. Johnny Moose is going to be on Ooh. the wrestling show on twitch.tv slash 607podcast this Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So join in the chat. We are Twitch affiliated now, folks, yeah. thanks to you. So definitely come on over, hang out, and uh, we'll have a lot to talk to Johnny Moose about and so much more. Yeah, uh, just another quick update. Uh, of course, there was the Guinness World Record attempt uh, that was made at NYSEC Stadium this past week uh, where powerlifter Bill Clark attempted to break his own Guinness World Record of uh, tearing 23 metal license plates in half uh, in 60 seconds. He didn't just beat that record. He shattered that record. Uh, he broke, tw- uh, he ripped 29 metal license plates in half in under 60 seconds. So congratulations wow. to, you, to you, sir. Uh, they... Rumble Ponies live streamed it on their Facebook page. You might be able to go back and check out the stream. I highly check it out. You do because it's nuts to watch. He tears them in half like they're paper. That's crazy. It was nuts. So instead of doing round the bases, let's throw it into the red zone. It is football time. Next week, we are going back-to-back episodes talking the NFL preview show, as you know how we do on the ODPH. But there is one thing we do each and every year that is our trademark. Imitation is flattery, but you can only come here for the real authentic deal. Mm-hmm. Pad, what is it? Uh, the Locks and Leap competition. Yes. The, dare I say, internet famous now, ODPH Locks and Leaps Invitational. Mm-hmm. So, sitting across from me is the reigning defending two-time champ. Yep. Padawan J. Yep. And this has been a competition, competition we've been doing 
for, like we said, past couple of years. It is invite only, and we do usually do it on our Facebook, so everybody can kind of see what's going on. And it's been a great back and forth with us and everybody at the 607 Podcast family and a few other friends of the show. And what we do is we always pick a game via the Vegas line by a favorite. So if they're favored to win, that's considered a lock. And we also pick one that they are considered an underdog. So they would be considered a leap. And how it goes is for every correct answer game you pick, it's a point. If you cover the point spread, it's an initial point. So winner take all at the end of the regular season. Mm-hmm. Padawan J has dominated yep. the past two years. Two years. So what we have decided to do, and we have been teasing this for a while. In fact, if you have actually been following on Twitter today, it is the uh, Lit Gaming Arena's Pod Lift Day. Shout out Ooh. to LGA. And we have decided that this year we want to invite some of our podcast content creating friends to join in this year. So they're just trying to take me off my pedestal. Well, you know what, Pad? You wanted the smoke, so I thought let's bring some fire. So what we've decided to do is we created a Yahoo group to do this, and obviously with 2020 being <laughs> such a, uh, an awful year, yeah, we want to finish it out with friends of the show, and let's just have some fun. We're inviting you to join in uh, via this invite, so we're going to keep it strictly invite only. If I don't know you in the group, uh, you're not going to be lasting long. So we want to just keep this to have some fun to close out the year. Talking the NFL games is strictly optional. So if you're invited and you're like, you know, football's not really my thing, don't feel obligated to join in. I'm already going to tell you right now. Pad is already talking a lot of trash. Uh-huh. Pad, is it anything before we read off who we are going to invite into Locks and Leaps? Uh, to quote the 16-time WWE champion John Cena, you want some, come get some. Wow. He is talking that smack. I mean, listen, I'm I'm in the Anderson Silva John Jones conversation of of I have run roughshod over the WWE or, or the uh, locks and leaps uh, division. Uh, many have tried, none have uh, successfully accomplished taking me off my pedestal. So you had to call in some uh, headers. Yeah, we did. So what we decided to do is we are going to do this via the Yahoo group. So that is going to be the one that's a little more wide open to the invite only. So like I said, the uh, locks and leaps invitational, it's like the Jim Rome smack off, if you will. You only few few get allowed to enter and participate, and we're going to do something fun at the end of the season for the winner take all. If we get ties, we'll cross that as we get to it. But, Pad, we're also going to switch up what we're doing on Facebook. So mm-hmm. you want to break that down a little bit? Yeah, so uh, when we're on Facebook, uh, if we're going to obviously rules stay the same, you know, make a pick, you get, you know, when the point spread thing. But if you happen to miss a week, so, it, you know, all, whatever happens, life, family, work, you know, phone craps out, internet craps out, if you happen to miss a week, the next week you will be able to make two additional picks so that you stay uh, on pace with everybody else. So that way you don't fall out and go, well, I'm mathematically eliminated from being able to participate. So why even bother? Yeah, because the Facebook one is just going to be one game. That's a lock one game. That's a leap mm-hmm. Yahoo group. You got to pick the entire schedule of the games that day. Yep. So that one, we're making it wide open. So it's not so, you know, very, I want to say tight. This is one that's going to be that we should have one clear, decisive ODPH locks and leaps invitational winner for 2020. Yep. So that being said, Pad, uh-huh. let us read off the competition. Sure. So obviously the first entrance in this year's competition is that of the ODPH panel. Uh-huh. So myself, Ken M, Coach Duffy, and reigning defending champion, Padawan J. Yup. Next up is our friends over at hashtag 607podcast8122productions. We are inviting Rich from 3FN, and Ron in from 3FN. Also joining is Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming. Crazy Curtis Gaming is also joining on the field. Friends of the show 
Uh, you know him from – he's obviously been on the wrestling show when we've done it a few times. Our guy Vinny is going to be returning to All the right. field. We're also bringing Andy Adams back, so shout-out to Andy. And, of course, if we're talking friends of the show, who else but – the one and only Dre Driven mm-hmm. we're bringing on. So, Dre, we're sending you an invite to join in the Locks and Leaps Invitational. Now, who are we inviting from our podcast slash content creating family pad? Oh. We're going to kick off with the first entrant. I shot this man an invite back in January. Wow. He's been waiting this long. Wow. He doesn't take any weeks off if you listen to his podcast. He's one of four friends that talk nerd each and every week, consistently now for six years. He does know his sports, though. So entering the ODPH Locks and Leaps Invitational is one Joey DiCarlo from the So Wizard Podcast. All right. Also joining one of our closest friends, biggest supporters of everything we do here at ODPH and 607 Podcast, the man, the myth, the wonder soul is joining All right. the ODPH Invitational. We're also sending an invite out to the Book of Lies Podcast, the Online Warriors Podcast, our good friend, Brian Wayne from Cheers to Comics is invited into the field. We're also shooting an invite out to the Ghosts of the Stratosphere. They're big Seattle Seahawks fans. So we'll have to see if they want to join in the, on the fun here. We're also shooting an invite out to Pint of Comics. JT and Dom from the East Coast Avengers. We're shooting an invite out to JVD from the Villains to Man podcast. We're shooting an invite out to Dan from Stranger Damies. We're also shooting an invite out to Robin from the Black Case Diaries podcast. And last, but certainly not least, from the 30 and Nerdy podcast, the Duke of Nerd, the sweet tea from the Nerdy South, Tyler Mack, is in the field. So if you are interested in joining in, I'm shooting the invites out. We might have one or two that be a mystery entrant in the late, but Pad... Hearing the competition, are you scared? Are you worried? What is your thoughts right now? Just more asses for me to whoop. Dang. Pat is not playing this year, folks. Nope. So definitely. I'm, I'm coming in like CM Punk in Chicago. Holy sugar cookies. Pad wants to smoke, Flair folks. in the Queen City. Pad wants that smoke. So Connor McGregor in Dublin, Ireland. Oh, my God, Pad. When we tweet this out later, it's going to be epic. Like I said, we actually teased the early invite on the LGA tweet during the pod lift, so we're going to definitely be shooting some invites out tonight. So definitely stay tuned for everybody that's going to be involved in the ODPH Locks and Leaps competition. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to get started on this. So that all being said, the music you heard on this episode is that of Fair City Fire. They're our friends from Austin, Texas. They're doing a lot of big things on Instagram right now, so if you want to find out what's going on with them, shout out the robots, Floodlands, Second Suitor, definitely head on over to ochoduroparlayhour.com slash music. You can also head on over while you're at the ODPH website to the directory, which we have friends of the show, such as Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, who's, I can imagine he's going to have a few uh, choice uh, Ratchet and Clank memes for you, Pat. Oh, sure. And what's Pat's reaction to that going to be? Exactly. Dead silence, because Pad is ready and focused for the locks and leaps this year. You can also check out organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter and voter registration and pod chaser lists for all the amazing pod groups we are in. So shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. Shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to Legion Independent Podcast. Shout out to the Apodalypse. And shout out to Hashtag 607 Podcast. Patreon.com slash 8122productions. You can find out everything going on with Rich Ron and Hashtag Big Natty Cool, who I don't think uh, he might be a late entrant this year. To the 
to our locks and leaps. I got to talk to Diesel about it because I know last year he kind of faded out a little bit, so we'll see if he wants to return because, Pat, he is on Twitter, so you can only imagine the tweets after games. Uh-huh. They are not behind a paywall, but if you want to find out everything that's going on with them, you definitely want to head over there and check it out. Also on the ODPH page, you can find out our social media links and, of course, a link to twitch.tv slash 607podcast where we are now Twitch affiliates. So thank you very much, folks. All that and so much more at ochoduroparleyhour.com. That's all I got for this week. So the one and only, Pat one j Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. 